Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, how's everything been going, uh, Sean Connery? You're Sean Connery. Uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, I'm still busy, but not not crazy busy like I was last week. So that's good. Things are going a little better. Uh, I I had the time to watch all five of the episodes we're talking about today. I went ahead and knocked them all out in two days. Got you know it. what we what we don't have today. Hmm. We don't have Ben's take on these episodes. Uh, he didn't make... He, you know, we have taken a long time the last few times. Maybe he thought he was going to have a grace period again. He probably did. Well, so, <clears throat> you know, on if him. we get his, we'll do a little wrap-up or something next week or whatever. But... I agree. We can fly blind without him. All right, well, last week we said we were going to make it quick, and we were not able to do that. Let's give it another go. Let's see if we can knock these out. All right, I mean, we should give them the treatment that they deserve, which is to knock them out. Yeah, let's knock them out. So, um, without further ado, this week we watched What Are Little Girls Made Of? Boobs. I love that every time. The answer's boobs. Boobs. It's boobs. Yeah, they're made of boobs. Uh, The Enterprise, yeah. uh, Let's recast that. If they made this episode in 2016, there would have been a lot of side boob. Yeah, I was trying to... Th- okay, so this the lady in this um, wears, a, like, a weird future overalls with nothing on underneath. Yes. and um, Come on, Eileen style. Yeah, and I was thinking about it, too, because I couldn't help but think about it, because that's the sexiest robot ever. And um, I was like, I don't know, are we... Are we more prudish or less than back then? Because I don't know if anyone would wear that these days. I don't know if you would put a character in that. Because you would be like, oh, it's so overtly misogynistic and sexist and stuff like that. So it doesn't do with the prude as pr- being a prude, but just not wanting to sh- put the ladies in the sexy overalls. It is an interesting question. Mm. It's not really, but that's okay. Mm. Uh, Matthew, the Enterprise is on one of its usual missions to check up on a remote scientific outpost with, mm-hmm. uh, as always, a connection to the crew, That's Nurse Chapel this time. Been like 80% of the episode so far. Yeah. Uh, and things are not as they seem. Okay. His assistants are all robots, and they take Kirk prisoner after they kill a couple of red shirts. Uh, then the dude, whose name is Corby. It's Corby, right? Yep. Dr. Corby. Replaces Kirk with a robot and attempts to take control of the Enterprise, but his double is revealed instantly <laughs> because uh, because he said his plan out loud while Kirk was conscious. <laughs> and so Kirk was able to implant a fun racist idea in his double's mind. Yeah. I, I You know what? I think that's a cover. I think Kirk really does have those racist thoughts in his head. and he's just, Yeah, but he would never say them. He's just too smart to say them out loud. 
I think Kirk's just a huge racist walking around going, fucking half-breed. Get your half-breed yeah. nonsense out of my face. Uh, sick, of, sick of his half-breed interference. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, I'll jump in. I can jump in, right? Yeah, why not? Uh, my take on this was um, something like, something like, what a piece of work is, man? Um... Or maybe you you like you got to take the good with the bad. Look, the, the the robot guy, the guy making the robots, he's like, oh, I'm gonna make a perfect society full of robots who don't have all these terrible emotions and all this stuff. And uh, Kirk's trying to explain to him why um, keeping your humanity is better the whole time. And we'll talk about execution and why I think this is really stupid anyway. But that's why I was saying, like, I guess men are better than robots. What a piece of work is man is what I came up with. Um. So, it's not clear to me what Dr. Corby's goals specifically are. I think they might be personal immortality. Then why does he care? He keeps talking about making, like, perfect people and perfect society and nonsense like that. Yeah, I don't. And he's like, what would happen if there was no jealousy and anger? And I was talking about how great it is that his robots don't have emotions, which I thought was a really not subtle cover for the fact that he didn't know how to do it. He didn't know how to make them oh, with I emotions. See. I see what you're saying. <laughs> He's like, isn't it better that they don't have them? I it's, think it's, it's better. It's good that I did that. Yeah. It's good that I didn't give them emotions. Yeah. Um, I thought that the take in this episode mm. is that if humanity builds thinking machines, those machines must inevitably destroy them. Oh, well, yeah. Destroy I think, us. I think that is the take of any episode of anything with any robots in it. That is my takeaway. It's, it's like... Kirk has that little talk with Ruck. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is Ruck, by the way? Okay, so just full disclosure, I watched this one last, and I was pretty burned out. <laughs> what, what is, is Lurch? He? Yeah, I know, but like, what's what's his deal? He's like a he's, giant, and he lives with the robots. Is he a robot? He is a robot. He's like the last surviving robot from the old ones. Okay. So this is, Corby didn't invent this technology. Right, he found it in that basement or whatever. Yeah, he found it down in them caves. He went down into the sub-basement where the elevator had stopped going down there a long time ago, and he fixed the elevator and went down to the sub-basement and found some robots. Right, and then he was like, Cool, so I'm your master now. And they went so for that's it. cool. That's cool, and that's how it's going to be. And they were like, well, I don't know. This guy says he's he's our master. He's my master, I guess. I should help him make sex robots and then also like robot versions of his buddies yeah he didn't make that many robots he had like a few yeah he had the sex robot and he had the robot that his assistant for plot reasons had to act weird around christine chapel yeah for some reason we had to be slowly introduced to the idea that these were all robot dudes i think it's just 1969 yeah. or 67 or whatever Right, like they had ten more minutes. They knew to we kill. wouldn't be on the jump going. That's a robot. They had ten more minutes to kill, not on commercials. The dude didn't have antennas, right? So, like, how are we supposed to know he was a robot? Yeah, he wasn't even like silver or anything. Uh, so anyway, Kirk has the <laughs> chat with with Ruck, and and he's like, "Yeah, man." And people had all them emotions, and finally we were like, "No, we just got to kill him." <laughs> like that's the only plan. Uh, and Kirk's discussion of that with him awakens that same bloodlust. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> like, Ruck's like, 
that was the equation. <laughs> Gotta kill the people. Gotta kill all humans. Right. So I thought this was an early take on the singularity. Sure. But um, what did you rate that? How did you feel about that? Well, I feel like that's a pretty good sci-fi premise. It's, it sounds like basic sci-fi. Uh, to me, that's a whole seven. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, a premise. I gave what this I is, had. This is, I would say, Star Trek's maybe strongest take so far, the original series. The episodes have not been about much so far, no. to be sure. And, and for what I had, what a piece of work is man. In other words, your machines are not better than humans. Um, I gave it a four. Mm. I just didn't feel like there was anything there. I didn't think it was that... that I feel like it was a kind of a boring question. Because you knew where it was going to go the whole time. It's not like there was any drama in that. It wasn't like they were uh, going to come out and go, robots were better. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Kirk. they were going to be warping away from there and Kirk was going to be like, we're just not ready to be robots. <laughs> we are not good enough. Perhaps someday we can join <laughs> Ruck and the others. That was never going to happen. Um... So given that I thought this was about the singularity, mm-hmm. I thought uh, execution-wise, it was uh, it was only a three. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> like, I didn't think it really delivered on that promise. So no. Kirk has that talk with him. Um, and he makes it sound like, like it's the oldest story in space. Mm-hmm. Like... When he's going through all of that about how, oh, eventually you had to kill the humans. He's like, yeah, well, we know how this goes. This is why we don't have robots. That's right. Um, so, but like, all we all we ever get to is that he, eventually humans started shutting down the robots and then they fought for their survival and won. And it's not, there's not really much about why that happened in the old society or why it might happen again. So that's why it's only a three for me. Didn't feel like it was an effective explanation of what was going on there. Uh, of why this is inevitable. Right. <clears throat> and not just, oh yeah, on this planet it went bad. Right. Now, but you had a different take. So... Given that you think this is a what a piece of work is man, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I Henry the Fifth or whatever that's from. I had given it a four on take, and I gave it a four on execution as well. Okay. Um, although they do like an okay job explaining why an android might be superior to a human, the guys like when there's the two Kirks, they're doing their oh look how great our cinematography is. We have two Kirks in the same room again thing. Yep, it's only episode seven. This is the second time we've had to do this. Um, one Kirk's like, "I don't need to eat. I can live forever without any sustenance." And then he's like, "Fucking." Uh, meanwhile, Kirk's hamming away on something, and he's like, "Oh, guess what? My, I can. I have improved memory. Test us." And they're like talking about his brother or whatever, and the robot remembers their conversation better or whatever it was. Yeah, when Kirk does his part to show why humanity is superior, but uh, Dr. Corby's whole point is kind of shat upon when he finds out he's an android mm-hmm. and uh, has all these powerful emotions and and kills himself and the sexy bot. And the, by the way, the sexy bot hella freaked out earlier when Kirk put his boner on her. Oh, no, no. By the way, she totally kills him. Oh, she's the one who killed him. Okay. She, I, she, I, she's, she vaporizes them both. So she has a fucking freak out when Kirk's boner gets to her. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know what? Uh, they don't even make you choose. It just turns out humans are better all around. Yeah, yeah. We're better at everything. Um, that the twist that Corby is a robot is so unearned. Yes. 
And it so doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even a little bit. It doesn't matter at, in the least. It, because what happens is the lady just kills him anyway, and it's it, there's no payoff on that. It's just, ah, oh, I'm a robot! I got shot! Oh, you discovered I was one. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Not a great episode. Uh, I have a question. Are these, is this, any of these shows going to get better? Are they going to get better? Uh, oh, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, I'm just running through, just curious. through my brain. Like, what do we got coming up? We've got Chicago gangsters. We've got Nazi planet. We've got <laughs> right. the Roman empire. We've oh, I don't even just mean uh, fried TOS. eggs falling off of the ceiling. I mean, and literally, people. are any we've of got these the five in space? Are any of these five series? Uh, so we've going got to get Spock's better. brain. <laughs> um, yeah, there's that Hamlet one where the dictator comes on board as part of an acting troupe. Which one's the one with we've Abe got, Lincoln? We've got the hippies. We've got Abe Lincoln. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, so no, this is not getting any. We've got black on the right side, black on the left side. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got uh, at least two or three more uh, evil twin episodes and uh, the empath. So, no. Yep. So, I was talking about all five series, and the reason is the last few weeks have really felt like an, or- an ordeal. Because these episodes well, yeah. have been shit. We know that the next generation is going to briefly get better and then sort of decline mm-hmm. into an. In my personal life, Katie and I are in season seven. Oh, that's a long decline, though. It's going to decline into weird little personal stories and also like some big picture environmental stuff that mm. kind of gets forgotten. I remember and, it. Like, I, I, uh, the reason it's forgotten is because Starfleet forgets about it. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, everybody. Check back in four years. Uh, so... I don't know, maybe. I think Deep Space Nine is probably going to get a little better. I know the first seasons are usually rough on shows. Yeah. They're trying to find their footing, but whew. Um, <clears throat> Should we talk about world building? Yeah, let's talk about world building. So, of course, they do in this uh, one of my favorite sci-fi tropes, which is list all the evil people. Mm. And then make sure you list two or three more after Hitler. That's right. You want to make sure that history has continued in the interim. That's right. That's a nice little little um, nice little indicator that we are we are in the future and more stuff has happened. That's right. Uh, what else have we got? Um, seems like they figured some stuff out, so now it's okay for uh, teachers to date their students in the future. That's uh, Corby and Nurse Chapel's you know, story. It's uh, just a more progressive society we get to see uh again the idea of long dead civilizations that this is kind of an old universe Mm -hmm. um but the the, really honestly the thing that excited me most world building wise in this episode is the ship's command packet oh yeah the command packet kirk's got all those like paper orders telling him where he's gonna go next yeah it gets uh delivered certified mail and he rips that thing open and he's ready to go I like the just the minutia of their orders. So, well, as we've uh, talked about, every single that, order seems to be go to random planet to visit one guy. So, yeah. By by the way, that doesn't add up to a ton for me. That's a I gave this episode a four for world building. I gave it a five. <clears throat> Archaeological medicine, right? So this is apparently a thing where you discover uh, uh, medical advances from long dead civilizations. So, like you were saying, in this case, Orion ruins. 
is where they learned about uh, where they improved their immunization methods. And apparently, Doctor Corby is the uh, fucking expert at archaeological medicine. Yeah, um, that's kind of cool. The giant does impressions. I don't know why I counted that as world building, but that's I just world building I, fe- I felt like <laughs> again I was pretty burned out, and at that point in the episode, that counted. Um, the androids of Kirk's era seem just as good as Soong's androids. Uh, no, they're a little better. May- maybe less physically strong based on how Kirk manhandles the sexy bot. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. Ruck seems pretty strong. Uh, yeah, Ruck's a beast. So I don't know. They seem at least as good as Data. So I don't Soong. Maybe Noonien Soong's not that great. Um, I, g- I give it a five based uh, on those things. His his robots are like they're a little less vulnerable to extremely simple logic attacks. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Like you can get at data; it is possible. Of course, you can. it happens about eight times in the series. Mm-hmm. But usually, a whole computer program has to do it. You can't just give him one kiss. Are you certain? Because I know he and Yar did more than kissing, but he is ruined by that he always talks won't ever stop talking about her and spoiler alert when her sister comes along he plays total fool for her yeah i guess that's true because he got his robot dick wet but like sparks don't shoot out of him and shit yeah i guess he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't vaporize himself with a hand phaser (laughs) no uh characterization anything in this episode that you had... Yeah, there's some stuff in here. I think this is the first time we see Christine Chapel. Yeah, I don't consider her a main character, so I kind of don't care mm. what they do with her. Um, we learned about Kirk's family a little bit. Yeah, his brother um, wanted to serve. Where did he want to serve? I don't remember. On some, he wanted. He was hoping to get an assignment to some research post, mm-hmm. probably a planet where he would be living alone. Lots of planets out there. Seems seems to be how it goes. Um. Spock immediately knows that Kirk would never call him a meddling half-breed. Mm-hmm. Like, in- instantaneously. So clearly they have, their relationship is a little stronger than that. Right. Like, he just knows right away that, like, Kirk, do- that Kirk robot don't get real far. I feel like Spock almost kind of mugs for the camera in that moment. He does. You know. <clears throat> um, in this one, Kirk is, like, season one Riker smart. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Infallible. Like, he is on to this shit immediately. He is he's on to these robots like Groppler Zorn. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> like Riker on Groppler Zorn. Um but Riker is supposed to be the Kirk of the next generation. Or most, at least in season yeah, 1. Season 1 Riker, correct. Before he becomes I mean, what is he by the end? He's Jonathan Complacent? Frakes. He's Jonathan Frakes by the he end. He just becomes Jonathan Frakes yeah. by the end. Yeah. Uh, so, on the whole, I think the characterization in this episode, I mean, given that there's a lot of, we don't see a lot of the main characters, this is kind of a, yeah, almost a two-hander. Yeah, I feel like this this episode was really just Kirk and Chapel, and Chapel yeah, doesn't do, shouldn't do much. But, of what we do see, I mean, I feel like it's about a five. Alright, I think we disagree on this one. I gave it a one. Ooh. Uh, only Kirk is in this. I don't count Chapel, because, what is she? We only, we already know there's only three main characters in this show. McCoy well, doesn't just, appear at all. She's in like she's probably in ten or fifteen episodes and the first movie. Yeah, but she doesn't do anything. Anyway, um, this is a three person show. One of the people doesn't appear at all. McCoy, Spock is barely in it, and Kirk is just he's kind of Kirk. I don't know. I didn't really learn anything about Kirk in this one. I know. I guess I learned he loves science. 
because he's super boned out to meet this doctor. Oh, it's archaeological medicine. Yeah, he's the fucking pastor of archaeological medicine or whatever he says. Um, and again, I think Kirk does think those nasty things about Spock all day long in his head. <laughs> but that was it. Like, I didn't. I don't feel like this was a character episode at all. I don't. I mean, if they if they had replaced Kirk with, um, I don't know, some red uniform guy, I feel this episode was about the robots. The robots. I mean, it kind of was about the robots. So I didn't. I didn't think much of it. Like a backdoor pilot for Robot World. (laughs) My God, starring Ruck. Dog, I would take Ruck. uh, We'll talk about it in a minute, but (laughs) uh, Ruck was my favorite in this uh, in this episode. Ruck's pretty great. So yeah, just a one for me. I didn't feel like anything happened. All right, so um, let me just total it all up. Uh, I gave it a nineteen. Okay. Um, which is two better than I gave last week's episode. Not a great score, but for how things have been going lately, it seems good. Yeah. It's not... For TOS, uh, which I have been sort of enjoying this run through, that's not a a particularly good score. Hmm. Uh, You gave it a 14, which is five better than you thought uh, Mud's Women was. There you go. An improvement. Uh, So a total of 33, which uh, would not have won last week, but uh, still is a a seven-point improvement from last week. There you go. Uh, quick hitters, quick hitters. Everybody in this lab is 100% sinister right away. Yes. Yep. Like, like there's the, the first guy they meet, real sinister, everybody's sinister all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruck is super capable of lifting up Shatner or Shatner's stunt double if he didn't want to take that. Oh, that was Shat. Was. That was Shat. He... <clears throat> he hauled him up into the air, no trouble at all. So, and I don't care if Shatner was jumping yes. like wrestling style. Yeah, I watched that mm, four times. That scene yeah. for for reasons I will talk about. I watched that scene uh, four times. I was looking for wires or any kind of thing. And Kirk definitely does a wrestling jump, but still, Ruck uh, holds him up pretty good there. So. He hauls him up there real good. Yeah. Um. Thanks to the quality of the. The broadcast, I can see now that those invisible zippers are just zippers on backwards. <laughs> That's correct. So, like, the tabs on the inside. Yep. Uh, of course. Of course Corby was fucking that robot, right? Yeah, why do you think he made her? What do you like make her onto it right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the look she, she gives the bitchiest look when she sees that lady walk through the door. For sure. And she's, uh, like, calling him by his first name. And she's like, don't call my fucking fiancé who I haven't seen in five years by his first name, bitch. You asked a few episodes ago whether you thought Shatner surprised <laughs> yeah. Yeoman Rand. Yeah, yep. Uh, do you think that this poor girl knew how hard he was going to grab her arm? Because no. he left a huge mark. Nope. Again, this is Shatner's school of acting. Is They tell you they're just going to like walk through the scene or something, and then he basically rapes you on camera. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's it's his version of method acting. The... Lady Robot goes 100% crazy after one kiss. Yeah, but it's a kiss from Kirk. Yeah, so lock up your daughters, 1960s America. <laughs> Women can't be trusted. <laughs> Kirk unit. I mean, it's Kirk, just, he it's used just, the Kirk unit on her. It's just... <laughs> it's just every single episode is so terrible for women. Yeah, dude. Again, when Marjan and I watched this a few years back, that was our overriding takeaway from the series. Was... There's 72 of these left. I don't think there's going to be a single good one for ladies. <laughs> no, there are no good moments. <clears throat> Agreed. 
Uh, and I, by the way, I would give any amount of money to read Kirk's report to Starfleet. About this. that crazy adventure? Yeah, about this adventure. <sighs> yeah, it's a tough one. Tough read. Like, presumably, he's got a right to the families of those two security people who were killed. <laughs> yeah. You think he'll stick with the story that they just fell off the ledge just because it's easier? We were they we were in a cave. <laughs> they fell and they fell. Yeah. <laughs> like just, you don't want to get into the whole story about the robots and Ruck and all that. Stuff. I don't need to know all that. Um, you must have had some quick hitters for this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as I saw that Doctor Corby's assistant was wearing that blue and green outfit, I immediately remember what episode this was. Oh yeah, like, for sure. For boner reasons, I remembered. <laughs> um, I love that Shat does all his own stunts. Oh yeah, because not only does he straight manhandle chicks, he does unnecessary shoulder rolls. Did you see him shoulder roll? Yep, he's grabbing the girl, and I don't know uh, the the assistant or whoever is pointing a phaser at him, and he does the slowest, most deliberate shoulder roll from her to the desk where he's gonna hide. And it's like, it's like kind of like trying to slide into first base. It's like, dog, just run over there. Like, you'll get there faster. We, we knew this when we saw the man trap. <laughs> we saw him do serpentine. low crawling <laughs> uh, through those explosions. <laughs> it's just shat. No stunt double. He'll do it. Because, you know, you know why? The stunt double won't do it right. No. He has to he show you trust how. him to. This is, I know how Kirk would do this. Uh, yeah, and then he I got, know how Kirk would get thrown up into the air. Then he got straight picked up by a giant, and later on he got slapped by that lady. So oh, yeah. he was doing all his own stunts in that, which is fantastic. Um, the music in this episode is like exactly the music I think of when I imagine the original series. Uh, there are a lot of ways in which this is kind of a. This is kind of the prototypical Star Trek episode. Yeah. Kirk make loves, makes love to a robot, mm-hmm. and uh, people are wearing the jumpsuits. Yep, and they once again a planet with just one guy on it. Lo- yeah, lone guy on a planet. Mm-hmm. There's like a there's like a switcheroo attempt to take over the Enterprise. Two Kirks. Yep. It kind of has everything. It kind of has all of the the things that you remember about Star Trek in it. Yeah, and the, every time one of those music blasts came in, I went, "Oh yeah, it's TOS." That's what I'm watching. Yeah. So just for feels, for feels, I would have given this an eight or a nine because it has yeah. all the things that I love about Star Trek in it. Yeah, well, that's why we have to break it up into stuff. I mean, we've had the suggestion before: why isn't how much you enjoyed the episode a factor? Because that is not germane <laughs> to whether because, or not it is an artistic achievement. That's because a lot of garbage episodes would have high scores. Yes, uh, because. Because some of them are so bad, they're good. Particularly the next TNG episode we're going to talk about. I, uh, You're totally right about about Shatner. Because uh, one of my quick hitters for the next episode, and we'll get into it, is uh, Spiner uses a stunt double to fall backwards. He uses one for everything. I, I guess they offer it, and he's like, well, who am I to turn it down? But it's like, it makes the show look stupid. And his stunt doubles are always so bad. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, in, in that, for some reason, no matter what, the they hair. don't look like Data. It might be the I don't hair. understand why they cannot replicate the hair. Because <laughs> it's so poor. All right, we'll get into it. We will, we will. Uh, so seeing it out of Shatner is, is good. Yeah, That's uh, it. That's all I had. Uh, okay, uh, I have one more thought. I, I would wear that jumpsuit. I don't like what it does below the knees. Mm, what did I it do? I don't love the, 
the slit. It's like just a open slit on the shin ah, below the knee. But like, just a just the pattern of that jumpsuit, I think, is pretty cool. Some great, uh, great '60s costume department magic. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, so watching this episode. Uh, at, at when we got through on my notes, I just I just wrote best actor Ruck. Mm, yeah, okay. I thought he uh, he had the best performance in this. It's always hard in the original series because there's some real stage acting going on. But uh, he's got all that physical stuff to do. But then his his weird robot dialogue with Kirk, I think, is pretty well delivered. Mm-hmm. So it's like usually they'd hire that guy just to just to be big because <laughs> he's a giant, right? Like, um, like an Aquiel. Uh, and they get that huge guy to be a Klingon. Was that an Aquiel? A basketball player or something? James Worthy? I think you're thinking of Gambit. Is it Gambit? James Worthy's in Gambit. The guy who comes down off the shuttle? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's Gambit. <clears throat> part two. Like, okay, Gambit, Gambit two? two? Fine. Then that's what I'm thinking of. Yes, yeah, James Worthy. Uh, like, I don't, I don't know if he even speaks. He Clearly, doesn't. They didn't feel like he was up to it. That's correct. They probably gave him some lines originally, and they did not like how it went. So he does not say a word. Like because usually when they get a guy who's just big in there, he doesn't have any dialogue. But I thought, uh, I thought he had the best performance, better than the sex robot, yeah. um, the incomparable and... Sherry Jackson. Look, look, she's a pretty lady, and good for her for wearing those overalls. She wore them so good. I'm sorry. What? She wore them so good. Was this was this a seminal episode in your? No, because uh, I don't. I don't even remember. I, I when I saw it a few years ago, I did not remember it at all. So it was not important to me until I was twenty seven or whatever. Okay. So but yes, as a twenty as a twenty seven year old, you were like nice. when I hit puberty at age twenty seven. This was very 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 <laughs> formative for me. Okay. Um, I thought the worst actor in this was Corby. Yeah, he's not good, is he? He's not good. Um, I agree. I agree he was the worst. I couldn't tell who was the best, but I agree Corby was awful. It's it's Ruck or Shatner, probably. Well, I mean, Spock has so little to do. Yeah. And he does mug for the camera. I, I, the only, and Shatner doesn't get to do much except when he's saying half-breed. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, but uh, I, I kept track of those for all of those this week, so I'll have a best actor and a worst actor idea about uh, all of the rest. Uh, shall we? Shall we move on? Let's do it. This week we watched Justice. The Enterprise visits a planet full of friendly fitness nuts, who they soon learn have an odd policy toward crime and punishment. Any crime committed in a certain zone is punishable by death. Unfortunately, they learn this too late for poor Wesley who unknowingly commits a small infraction in such a zone. Now Picard must decide whether to abide by the laws of this peaceful people or break the Prime Directive to save the young Mr. Crusher. What'll he do? He breaks the Prime Directive. This was Wesley's last time. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Episode 7, that's as far as he made it. Um, What'd you think of Justice? uh, Of all of the episodes this week, I thought the, the take was easiest to find in Justice. Agreed. And uh, what I have here, and I'm sure you have some version of this, is uh, there can be no justice so long as laws are absolute. Yeah, that's almost exactly what I have. I mean, it's right there in the title, so they make it it's easy basi- for you. It's basically right there. Yeah. Um, I'm 
looking at the score I gave it, I wonder if I gave it such a high score because it was so easy to find. That's fine. I, I gave did, it a seven. I did. I did the same kind of thing. Okay, a seven. Yeah. I had kind of a dual. Well, it's the same thing. It's kind of two sides of the coin. It's I had absolute justice. It's not justice, and absolute law cannot govern. What I had was, on the justice side, you have Wesley stepping on the grass, and on the absolute laws side, I have the prime directive, which is not supposed to be, there's not supposed to be any exceptions to it. Right. So you're kind of seeing it from two different perspectives. You're seeing it down on the planet, and you're seeing it what what Picard is struggling with. This is true. They're both looking at... at sort of absolutes. I mean, we don't... Clearly, enforcement of the Prime Directive is not absolute, but the Prime Directive itself, there's no latitude. Yeah, it's like, you it. cannot do this. And then, yes, you're right. When they break it, it invariably nothing happens. But Yeah. Um, so I gave it a... I liked, the, I liked that kind of two sides of the same sort of issue. I gave it a nine. Ooh. And I thought this was a very basic sci-fi premise. It is a, it's a super basic sci-fi premise. Yeah, which for me, again, I absolutely am giving it extra points because what we've determined in the first six weeks of this is that it is hard as hell to figure out what they're doing. They're not making it easy like we thought they would. They're like just making action episodes or mystery episodes, and you're like, what's the? is there a story here? Is there something we're supposed to learn from this? So yes, I gave them extra points for making it hella easy. So now let's talk about execution of the premise not quality of the episode which we know is low right um i give it a six wesley pretty high wesley is so cheesy as a character that he ruins nearly everything he's in but particularly this early like this version of wesley I mean, this is the one where he straight up is like, "We're I'm with Starfleet. We don't lie," and you're like, "Oh boy, this is tough." And he's afraid of having to do sex with people. I think he's afraid at four separate parts of this episode that someone's about to ask him to have sex, and he's oh, yeah. petrified. Um, but this was a really effective way to demonstrate the inflexibility of justice on this planet. You know, a simple mistake like falling into a planter means death. Now, that's clear enough for everybody to understand, which is good, but it's not very challenging as an idea. It's not like they made it even slightly a gray area, so you have to sit down and go, huh, everyone at home's going, he fell in a planter! Right, so it's not like, you know, yes, very easy to understand, very effective as an example, but kind of cheesy and dumb. And Picard does have to struggle with his own set of laws and stuff like that. So I like the dichotomy of it. That's why it rates as high as a six, but it had some issues. Yeah, um, I had it a little lower than that. I had it at a four. And the primary reason that I have it low uh, is because of the presence of the Edo god, Mm -hmm. the the dumb B-plot in this episode. Uh, they have the ability to enforce the laws, mm-hmm. which puts Picard under weird outside pressure. So that in the end, it's not a question about what is right and what's right justice. or wrong. Yeah. It's a little bit of a question of what can we get away with. Yeah, though in another way, like Picard has, seems to have made up his mind pretty early that he's not going to let Wesley get executed. 
I think that this is there. <clears throat> this external character co- forces Picard to make a convincing speech and make an argument for what he's doing rather than just beam out and leave, which right. gives him an excuse to explain yes. why he has to take these actions. So for storytelling reasons, it makes sense. Right. But I think it, it undercuts it a little bit by making it not a pure question of right or wrong. Right. It's not Picard versus his conscience. It's Picard versus his conscience. Plus there's a a giant monster thing outside, whatever. Plus the Lysian central command. That's exactly what I was going to say. That was in my, it's in my, one of my notes. Yeah. That's Um, not this episode's fault that was stolen later. Exactly. You can't take away points for that. Yeah. Although I don't really know what it's supposed to be, well, well, yeah, well, we'll get into it. If we get into a if we get into a scenario where we start taking away points of things for reuses, it's going to be really tough to get through the rest of this project. Oh yeah, because there's a one of the other episodes this week that we're going to talk about. The they use the matte painting that is the matte painting they use for every single planet in every every Star Trek TNG and after. I have it in my quick hitters. We'll okay, get to it. Good. Um, so you gave it a seven and a four so far, and I gave it a nine and a six. Yeah, so you're you're four points up on me so far with this, but maybe I'm guessing that this must have turned around uh, in the world building and characterization aspects because otherwise this has turned out to be a real high scorer. Yeah, for you, and <clears throat> I I don't think this episode ended up that high. No, so why, don't, why don't I tell you what I had okay. in world building? So there are a few things for sure. Uh, Picard's explanation of the human drive to colonize. Yeah. Is interesting. There needs to be some explanation in general about why people do anything in this post-scarcity society. Yeah, all they ever talk about is some general, oh, we strive to better ourselves, we strive right. to better ourselves, blah, blah, blah. And his the idea that the, these people are specifically setting out to create a new way of life? Mm. Like, these colonists are not, like, random people. They presumably have some goal in mind. Right. Um, so that's a little bit interesting. Uh, <sighs> I'm sorry, I believe the exact t- line is, they had sought the challenge, <clears throat> at least at that least. is the basic reason. <laughs> the dialogue in this episode is bonkers! It, no, it is. It's super insane. All of it is uh, awkward and weird, but we'll get to it. Go on. Uh, it, it's one of those things where it's like, but this is episode seven. This can't have been in the first batch of scripts, right? Like, dude, it is. So at what point in the show do we start getting to episodes where people had seen a couple and gotten the hang of the characters? Because yeah. unless they pushed this one late in production, the script is crazy. I think you're right. Uh, well, they get to the discussion about capital punishment. Uh, I thought that it was like a little bit crazy that Picard's explanation for why they don't do capital punishment anymore is that they've learned to detect the seeds of criminal behavior. Yeah, dog. That's right. Fucking mind police. They'll catch you when you're a kid. They'll see a devious two-year-old and go after you. Or it's like phrenology, right? Like, (laughs) that dude's got devious ridges. Yeah, dog. It's like when you throw the beans at the homosexuals and the beans explode. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So that didn't feel like... Like, cool? No, yeah, you're right. Like, that's not cool to me, so that that undercut the world-building score somewhat. Okay. Um, and then here we have uh, the idea that these that this these multidimensional beings, the Edo god, mm. evolved from a human-like form. 
So that that is a possible end goal for or an end state for humanity, which I'm not sure we've come across that. Wait, so hold on. They say that in the episode? Yes. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what I have for world building, I gave. Oh, by it, the way, that's a four for me. That's still not great. I gave it a three, though maybe I can be persuaded to get up to a four based on that last bit. Um, so the Edo and the Edo God, also known as Lissy and Central Command. Um, that's pretty much all you get, right? Just, you learn about, it's one of those episodes where you meet an alien race, you're never going to meet him again, we already know that, you know, you're just not. But you get to learn a lot about them, so that's cool. But the, I thought it would have been a lot better world building if we'd gotten the full story on what the Edo God was, but I, it looks like maybe I missed something. Because to me, it just like, it appeared, it dicked with them a little bit, and then it, and then it disappeared, and we never really figured out what the fuck was going on there. Who is he, and yeah. why is he there, and why does he care? Yeah, so some of the stuff that we hear is that they have placed the Edo there, that they've seeded them as kind of a child race, okay. and that they were once very much like the Edo. Okay. Because then it's so just like, is, they disappear, and we never meet them again, and it's like... There's some oh. kind of species-level offspring of the Edo god. Uh, okay. And also, I think we never see them again because they own that whole star cluster and Picard's... Oh no, that's right. In the end, they let them colonize that other planet. Yeah, it is weird that they were stalking them and watching them as they were colonizing before. Um, But that's all I had on it, because I just felt like, you know, it's those those two things, and and that's something. But I wanted to know more about that Edo god, and I wanted to know if we're going to meet him again, and what's the deal with him, and... Because he's pretty powerful, Right. I mean, is he? He shakes the ship, and he can prevent them from beaming up. I got the like, feeling he could. How kinda... powerful is he? He doesn't. It's not really well. So we know that he, he saw them leave colonists on another planet. Mm-hmm. So that's something, and he can interface with data. Yeah, I got yeah. the feeling he was. They were kind of at, at the Edo gods. Oh, also, by the way, I don't think the Edo god is one life form. Is, you know, think of the spaceship thing as God. Right. But it's it's not one individual. Data seems unsure. It's not, it maybe is not the caretaker. Picard asks him, you said they. And Data's like, yeah, I don't know what I said. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Data doesn't really yeah. clear it up for us. Um, characterization. Are you sticking with three, by the way? I feel like asking. I am. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I mean, we do see some stuff here. Okay. Uh, Data drops a fat contraction, but if we were gonna <laughs> if we were gonna take points off every time he does that, it'd be tough. Right. Uh, this is Riker at his horniest. Riker. Well, shit, dude. There's a lot of horny people in this fucking episode. This is, this is a very horny, horny episode. Yeah. Uh, I think um, Wesley's version of contents under pressure that he's doing <laughs> in this whole episode. Stop! I am is, ready. I am ready to do the wild thing. Is pretty is pretty solid. Stop. I ain't ready for the wild thing. Uh, he, I mean, he's he's super embarrassed. But frankly, after what he sees of the greeting, yeah, like, why would he not think that they're talking about fucking him too? Yeah, the lady straight up asks him if they want to just fuck on the grass right there. Yeah, I mean, basically that's what happens. She's like, "Look, I don't know. Do you do it with kids? We don't care. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I don't know. We what your really custom is. like. We super don't care. How do you feel about banging like a fourteen-year-old or something? What is he? I don't. How do you feel you about it? A, we can give him a real oily massage. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, we get a lot of Picard speechifying. Yeah. So that's pretty in-character stuff. He hasn't uh, fine-tuned it yet, I feel like. Uh, frankly, Beverly is basically this character for the next seven years. So, mm. like... Would you say this is the most justifiable Beverly's yes. insane emotions are? Yes. Yeah. But she's going to get in everybody's face and attempt to violate the Prime Directive and... Her personal sense of what's right will uh, she will attempt to override everything else with that for the next the rest of the series. That's Not in season two, thankfully, but otherwise. Yes, if she had been there, she would have. But she takes a break. Uh, so I, I mean, really, frankly, everyone is pretty much on character in this episode. Uh, we don't learn a lot, but uh, you know, I, I gave it a five overall. This episode again, like you were talking about, makes me ask what order the episodes were filmed in because everybody is so stiff and unfamiliar with each other it makes me wonder if it is the crew's first day working together oh, do you mean something like this my first officer has taken an away team down to make contact and they are in the process of returning to the ship Riker says the planet's life forms are almost identical to us he's very enthusiastic captain sorry Troy <laughs> the doctor has something very important to tell you captain you've been talking about it for days Shore leave for the crew. <laughs> that's not edited Dude, together. That's that is one segment. It is. I didn't even understand how that made it to film. What is that I, dialogue? It's so weird with him aggressively saying the word Riker, and then Beverly aggressively saying "sorry, Troy," and interrupting Troy one word into her later. sentence, and then going ro- hella robotically "sorry, Troy," and then and then Troy turns yes. to Picard and says. The doctor has something very important she wants to talk about. It's like, Wait. how do you even know? We didn't even know she was on the bridge. Why are you explaining that to him? He he can see what's happening. It's just... And oh, it's all so weird. That is insane. Um, So Worf is 100% in on this planet. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't need to hear all of the stuff about Worf's powerful sex. That well, he and Riker get Riker, into. really. Riker brings it up! Well, I mean, Riker tells him if it was anyone else, he'd he'd think he was bragging. And he's like, bragging, sir? And then Riker goes, I won't touch that. It's like, you you, you touched it. <laughs> you started it. Yeah. Uh, Yar, again, way into this. Oh, yeah. Yar is well, for, DTF. But we've, we've learned that she's two drinks from being the horniest person on the ship. Not only that, everybody who sees her is instantly attracted to her. Like, if you think about what we saw in The Naked Now. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to, but yes. Beverly's hot for Picard. Right. Picard cannot handle that. Nope. <laughs> uh, everyone else is pretty cool about it. Yeah, well, Troy like, Troy has some moments. Troy Troy can't handle all all of everybody's feelings all of a sudden. Right. And she does call him Bill, and that's great. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Shimoda just plays Jenga. Yeah, he doesn't get too horny, does he? He just doesn't seem to get horny. <laughs> McDougal, I think nothing happens to her the whole time. If she gets affected, uh, you cannot tell. Cause she she is... doesn't even get drunk. Riker yeah. barely gets drunk. Uh, but And Jordy is a mess, but it ain't it ain't really sex. Mostly just a, a dark emotions. Yeah, he's just, he is... He's, he's a really sad drunk. He's thinking about jumping into one of those nacelle plasma streams. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, but tr- but Yar is 100% sex down there. Yeah, they, for as long as she is in this show, they really hammer us with how powerful her sexuality is. Look, Everyone she, wants to fuck her, and she's horny as shit. She, she grew up on Rape Gang Planet, yeah, and... Yeah, you'd think that would damage her sex, like, her sexuality. 
in well, some way. But, but look, her sexuality is is maybe damaged. Oh. Like it's just not how you'd think. It's horrifying. Uh, Riker yeah. is pretty typically first season Riker in this episode. It's just his attitude and the way he. He goes around. Um, Troy is jealous of the lady clearly fucking Riker. They fucked at some point, right? She's like, it sounds like they've been to the planet and now they're coming back. Like, they went down there as, like, a scouting party first. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And he clearly fucked her. Uh, yeah. Troy doesn't like that. Data makes crazy emotional data face when the ship is shaking. Oh, and he does not like to hear that he's babbling. <laughs> no, he's very upset about it. <clears throat> Picard seems easily pissed off in season one. He gets, like, mad frustrated whenever anything unexplained happens. Yep. Which he, cool- he was super mad about that computer breaking last week, and he's mad this week. He cools off over time, but you'd think he'd be used to it by now after all the years in deep space. Like, you're going to run into a lot of shit you can't explain, this show tells us. <clears throat> and I thought this was the only acceptably emotional crusher that we've seen, where her emotions kind of make sense for once. But... We'll get into it in quick hitters. Why is she allowed to be in the room when any of these things are being talked about? It's a very good question. What is she going to say? Kill my son? She's obviously exactly. not going to say that. Like, she she should be setting this one out. Um, You know how I feel about sex and my characters, so I gave this a three. Yeah. The... I did not like it. It's tough. This is a tough episode for that. Um, Here's just one example. No. And I love you as huge one. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Did you slow that down, or did you isolate the vocal track? Like, why did that sound so creepy? <laughs> I did not. First of all, the sound in this episode is a little weird, yeah. and I did not get a good, clean recording of it. And for some reason, I couldn't just go to YouTube and find the clip. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad about that, actually. I'm really uh, happy about it. So I <laughs> always remembered I welcome this huge one, but I totally forgot the sex and noise. I Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, I had that in my quick hitters. Uh, that is rough. Yeah, don't like it. Don't like it. Keep the sex out of my Star Trek, please and thank you. So I gave uh, it a three. Yeah. Uh, while you do the math on that, let me let me do some quick hitters here. Did you, you already gave your score on characterization, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh... Yeah, so we, co- we cover Riker went down to the planet. Sorry, Troy. Doctor has something very important to tell you. The whole teaser scene is baffling. Um, yes. You get back from the credits, and he put in his log. He put in his log, the away team, including Wesley Crusher, went down to the planet. <laughs> That's in his log? Why did, why did he single out Wesley? Why? Why is that so important that he wrote to Starfleet? Yeah, I don't know, like, maybe you don't usually send civilian members of the crew down there, but come on. Oh, well, I don't know if you heard, he wants Wesley to go down and evaluate the planet as a place for young people to relax. What's going on? Yep. Did a nine-year-old write this? Uh, I think basically. Oh my god. Uh, Plus, this teaser is super chill, but then you get this ominous music as you go into the credits. Um, Yar and that male prostitute that greets her have the exact same hairdo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do. It was very distressing. <laughs> uh, we already covered. I welcome this huge one. Oh yes. Um, and she does ask them if they just want to fuck on the grass. She's like, "Should we play then? Play at love?" It's like, "Oh, you want to go inside? We're just gonna fuck right here." And by the way, no one on the away team says no thanks. No one says anything. Yeah, they're yeah. all hoping one of the other ones will go. Yes, please. No, what they're thinking is. 
in front of each other. <laughs> I do like that's what's weird to them about this. I scenario. do want to fuck, but they got no problem. They're like, oh yeah, uh, I want Worf looking at me. This this weird Nazi propaganda film about outdoor <laughs> lifestyles. Yeah, I'll I want to be a part of it, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't want Worf watching. He's gonna growl and stuff. It'll just totally take me out of the moment. Um, Worf doesn't know what Rome is. I had that one. So I guess he doesn't do much exploring when he's at the academy. He lived on Earth. Yep. <clears throat> he, he, I mean... Oh, yeah, Minsk. I mean, he, yeah, like... Oh, I thought he grew what, up on that planet. Or maybe his parents he just He grew up on Galt or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. a farm world. But it's like, come on, man. Like... Yeah, what's Rome? Rome, he, sir? It's not weird to you at all that we... Like, where does he think the names for all of the Romulan political people came from? I know. Like, does he not understand that that's an analogy? <laughs> Apparently he doesn't. He doesn't know what it is. Um, Picard to Jordy. Go have a real look, Jordy. Which means yeah, what? just go look out a window. What? Is his visor better than the ship's sensors? Go look out a window. We never. We don't think we see that anymore after this. No, no. That's this is the only time to ask him to go look out a <laughs> go window. Go look out the window, Jordy. <laughs> um, I believe manning the tactical station back there is Lieutenant Carey from Voyager, who we've already seen in one of the early Voyager episodes. Interesting. Don't know if that's the character. They don't say his name, but it's clearly the actor. Uh, <clears throat> Picard, when did everything become a something or a whatever? Yep. Super mad about stuff. Like, what should they call that thing? Um, uh, we already talked about how they sought the challenge. Uh, at least that is the basic reason. And yeah, look, I started recording clips for this, but too then many. I was like, too many. I. I'm just. I just might as well play the whole audio of the entire episode. The whole thing is nuts. Yeah, it just keeps going. He puts the the com badge on the lady to beam her out, and Troy looks at him real awkwardly and goes, "Yes, do that, but hurry." Yeah. Right. Oh my god. Um. And then we talked about Crusher. Why is she allowed to be in the room? Okay, that's all of mine. Uh. I legitimate question. What's worse in this episode, the dialogue on the surface or the dialogue on the ship? I don't know. I don't know. Like, which half? It's, um, again... How... I, go ahead. Who are the screenwriters? We should look them up. I feel yeah, like we needed to single them out. They did bad, and they should feel that. <laughs> yeah. Um, how hack, how hack is it that Tasha, that Tasha's example, when she discovers that the punishment for every crime is death, that her example crime is keep off the grass. Yeah. How hack is it that she says that and then right he's... before he falls into the planter? Yes, I agree. <clears throat> Wesley has like 15 seconds when that ball is in the air and he's running. And those kids are shouting, no, 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 <laughs> Wesley, no, 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 no. <laughs> like... I understand that their laws are crazy and we're supposed to think they're crazy and that this isn't how you should run your society, but like... Wesley had a fair dog, warning. He had a lot of warning. Yeah. And then that he... ball had crazy hang time that they were shouting. And then he doesn't stop, get it. Wesley, he gets stop, up. stop, stop, stop. He gets up and he's like, what? I'm alright. It's okay. And they're like, no, oh god, no! Didn't you see it? And he's like, seriously, I'm like, I'm fine. Like, What's the big deal? Why are you guys so worried about me? This is... I mean, it's like good for my ego, but why are you so worried about me? Uh, as we discussed, I had this down as another bad Spiner stunt double. Oh, yeah. When he falls backward after the Edo God goes into his brain. Turns into a big old like bubblegum bubble on his face or whatever. And uh, it is not this episode's fault, but it is super inconsistent 
with all future episodes that they would even make contact with these people in the first place. Like, yeah, we'll see the the way the Prime Directive is interpreted in the future is it's bad if they even know we exist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in this episode, it's super cool to go down there and to fuck them as much <laughs> as you want. Yeah, fuck all the fuck all the just, natives. Just fuck them and fuck them and fuck them. But you kind of can't violate their law. <laughs> yes. You're right. There's no real explanation how that like relationship got started. Yeah. What was the first time they went down there and why? Uh, like you said, uh, it is very dumb that they sent Jordy to look out a window. Um, <laughs> Go have a real look. <laughs> so uh, when I did uh, when I created my little template for this episode, I put best actor and worst actor on there mm. after having watched the the original series one. So for best actor, I wrote Picard, I guess. Oh boy, that's tough. Because this one's tough. Yeah. It's not Leotor or whatever no. the lady's name is. Um, Sexvana. So that's probably Sexvana. Mm-hmm. Uh, worst actor, I had Dr. Crusher. Sorry, Dr. Crusher. She, uh, yeah, she's a mess. Yeah. She is a mess. Uh, all you have to hear is... Sorry, Troy. It's mostly for the sorry, Troy. You're scene. done. You're done. You're as an actor. You're done. You're gonna have to star with Sir Mix-a-Lot someday. So this episode is hot garbage. It's one of my least favorite episodes to watch, but we gave it forty-one points total. Nice, crushed it. And so um, at this point, I believe in my watching of this, I I asked you the legitimate question: Do I just not like science fiction? That's right. <laughs> Because the less you like an episode, the better it scores. The higher it scores. It just doesn't make any goddamn sense. There is a weird correlation there. <clears throat> uh, right. Well, Anything else you, you want to say about Justice? Just that it's leading the pack so far. So one, first place out of two so far. Yep. Well, 41 points would have won last week, too. Last week was all shoot week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, this week, we watched Dax. <clears throat> Chief O'Brien is away on holiday, I wrote, because that was the first thing that was said in the episode. Yeah, totally meaningless. And, and three weirdos have kidnapped Dax in an attempt to extradite her for treason and murder. Dax won't say a word in her own defense. Odo goes to investigate while Cisco launches an extradition stalling tactic to determine whether Jadzia Dax is the same legal entity as Curzon Dax. Yeah. So, this episode is one part measure of a man. Don't, don't do it. This is, this is, are we getting into that already? Alright, let's not. No, we can get into it. That's fine. Tell me what it is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's one part measure of a man and then one part any of the stupid mystery. I mean, it's... Yeah. I, I had three... Three TNG episodes that this episode is. Okay. It is A Measure of Man, for sure. The, for sure. What, the episode we have not done yet, because it's... Is it season one or two? Maybe season uh, one. It might be season... I don't, I don't know. know. I don't think Riker has a beard. That's, on tri- that's the trial where they determine whether Data is a person or whatever. Yeah. Um. So that's in there. It's No, no, it's got to be season two. He's got Tasha Yar's thing. Oh, you're right. Okay, season two. Um, it's also a matter of perspective. A little bit, but let, let's face it, not as much as another episode we're going to talk about. Yep. And it is also Sins of the Father. 
where they are doing an investigation into an old crime of betrayal and determine yeah. that it is actually somebody else's fault. And the yeah. investigation takes almost the exact same path and everything. Yeah, that's true. You're right. <clears throat> There's sins of the fathers in here, too. Yeah. For, they were, I know they loved TNG, and they were trading off TNG, and it was the first season of their show, and they really wanted people to watch it. But just straight up going, what are some of our favorite TNG episodes? And then doing three really ordinary... I guess sins of the fathers, okay. So, so given... I don't hate Measure of a Man. It's fine. Well, well okay. So unintentional comedy it's almost off the charts yeah okay it is an amazing episode i will find out in time how it scores on our how system scores, right yeah oh, but well, I, no all i said was i don't hate it yeah, i do enjoy the hell out of yes. that episode uh i would yes uh you're right that sense of a father is probably a better episode but yeah. we'll see yeah. we'll see we'll see it may not may not have a big science fiction take in it that's true right um so Maybe the fact that it is three TNG episodes mm -hmm. is part of the reason why it was hard for me to crystallize on a take. Mm -hmm. um, here's where I landed. We are all ultimately responsible for the mistakes in our past. Okay. Like, no getting away from them. I, can, I, I guess I can see that. I mean, that's sort of the opposite of what Cisco was arguing. But I, but yeah, that's what the Cisco other guy's arguing. Was, yes, yeah, and certainly uh, Dax has not avoided having to deal with this. Like she, she just has to deal with it because people kidnap her and try to make her deal with it. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's like a that's real middle of the road. That's a five for me. I had. What did you have? Um, so sometimes the takes are like a statement or a moral or a takeaway, and sometimes they're just a question. I feel like this was a question. And that is the question of what is a Trill's identity, right? Just like, it's a super gray area, and that's what the entire episode explores. What if the hell that, is a Trill? If that is your take, your the execution score must be pretty low. Because... Don't... Spoiler alert. Let me, let me just say, <laughs> they kind of don't answer that question. No, they don't. That's what I took away. I took away only a question, and I had here written on the take section, interesting question, but there's no real takeaway. So, what is a trill? How much is that worth? I gave it a six. That's a 16. I gave it a six. Yeah. I thought it was all right. I mean, if it had been handled... Yes. Uh, look, and it's a thing that'll come up again and again in this show. Yeah. Um, especially once they kick this uh, character actor off in the last season. Let's, um, let's get into it. They, um... Look, they attack this just like Data's trial, right? This episode is a measure of a man in its structure or whatever, right? Uh, yes. By the way, it's also there's also a little bit of the big goodbye in here. Uh, big goodbye. Uh, oh no, no, not the big goodbye. Ensigns of command. There's a little bit of ensigns of command in here. Okay. In that Picard uses a bullshit third party mm -hmm. arbitration as a stalling tactic. Yes. I'm not Picard. Well, yes, Picard and Cisco both. And it's and of course it's also like a the Bajorans are the Grizella is what I'm saying. It's also like a matter of perspective and that they have to hold this um, extradition hearing. Yes. Um. So they attack it like Data's trial. It ends in their favor like Data's trial. I don't know why I keep comparing it to that. We haven't seen that one yet. But it doesn't end in their favor. She doesn't rule. Well, I mean, so that's that's fine. They feel fine yeah. about that at the end. Yes, they they're get, they're cool. They get yes. to keep her. Um, they get the outcome they want, which is Dax doesn't go to jail or whatever would happen to her. But my problem is, I find it extremely hard to believe that there's no precedent on this matter. They've known Trills for a long time. 
Has this question, we... one, has this question never been raised in the Federation? And two, what is the trill, trillion, as we find out in this episode is the adjective, what is the trillion stance on this matter? Because surely they have struggled with this question. Like Yes. They act like this is the first time anyone has ever asked any of these questions, and they have no clue how to answer them, and they hold this whole trial, which I assume they say is going to be precedent. There's no precedent anywhere on the record about what the hell makes a trill a trill, and what is a trill now versus what they were in the past. So this is a question for me and that I had, and it hurt the world-building score that I gave this episode. Yeah. Because if... If they have enough experience with the Trill, that Cisco, like Cisco, had enough personal experience with Trills to know that Curzon was not like a normal Trill. Right. So there's something weird about this dude. <laughs> yeah. But two years before this, two years before uh, this. the chief medical officer of a Federation starship didn't know that. The trills were a symbiont species, or even such things as that's why he can't use the transporter. Yes, so sis. Okay, which I know they abandoned the transporter thing because it would have been a big, big headache for Deep Space Nine if Dax couldn't transport anywhere. Yeah, I think a typical example of DS Nine ruining parts of that episode of the Next Generation. Right, yeah. but it's so, but like, the trill were pretty mysterious then, right? Yes, like. They were keeping that symbiont thing close to the vest. Yeah. But but apparently Cisco would have known all about that. Cisco would have known all about it. Uh, the Klingons apparently had lots of dealings with Curzon. And Curzon was not the only off-world trail. You know what I mean? Like, let's not pretend. Right. So I feel like... So that hurt world building for me. Somewhere out there, there is precedent on this. And they act like it doesn't exist. And then, like you said, they refuse to rule on it even in the end. So there's no precedent set. So well, we're supposed to believe there's no precedent in the past, which is unbelievable, and then they set no precedent. Yeah, it's still still going to be a totally open question. So a lot of work is done, and they explain and they go through over the issues, and a lot of people raise a lot of questions and make a lot of points, but nothing's really decided in the end. So I gave it a five because of all of the work they put in, but it, ultimately it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, well, you were more generous than me, but then we had different takes. Yeah. So I gave it a four on execution, um, remembering that this is about responsibility for your past actions and things like that. Mm. Uh, in the end, Dax is like, she's prepared to take the fall for her previous incarnation. And the prosecutor's mother has to take the blame for her past mistakes. Right. And frankly, in the end, it was a, f a failing of the guy who was murdered that led to his death. Like, yeah, he was responsible for his own death. So there's no getting away from it, but uh, that's not anything. That's a four. Yeah, it did feel like they had a lot of grand questions they wanted to ask, and they had some things they wanted to do, and then they just fucking pussied out on all of it, and just went, eh, you know what, let's not write anything. It's easier to not write anything. Let's um, write no conclusion to this episode. So the, this Trill treatment is so bad that I gave it a three in world building. Okay. Uh, but I do have a question. Mm. So you said, is there no precedent? Is there no precedent? Do you think Cisco? is intentionally sandbagging this procedure by having Kira look up the legal precedent. Because <laughs> he knows. What the fuck like, does Kira know? <laughs> they're not. There's no lawyer? No. Is there a dude. lawyer on the station? They couldn't call Philippa? Couldn't, they, they, he doesn't have her on speed dial like Picard? Right. Like, could they couldn't get a lawyer from Bajor to do some research? Yeah. They, 
That is weird. Or anyone from Judge Advocate Generals. Like there must be one in the sector. We're told that that each sector has a jag. Right. Exactly. So uh, no, this is Kira's. This is Kira's job. And by the way, she just disappears from the episode. Yeah, she does. She she does her one bit of research and then she takes a break. Yeah. You're uh, right. Yeah, did, that is. Bonkers. Is that intentional? Like, did he know that there's precedent and it ain't going to go in his favor? It could be, man. He was playing dumb that whole episode. Um. Anyway, uh, I gave it a three for world building because the troll thing was so bad. Uh, but I did think one interesting thing that came out of this was that uh, apparently warp five is still fast enough that they can narrow down ships at the station mm. that are that can go faster than that. Like. Yeah. They they want to know, he must have run a ship that can outrun a Starfleet runabout. And then she says there are eight ships here or whatever that could go faster than Warp 5. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so I guess most ships just don't need to. Yeah, I think I do. Th- I have always sort of gotten the impression that only like major starships, like substantial starships, have high warp capability. Yeah. And so maybe they don't have a ton of those visiting the station at any given time. Although eight still sounds like plenty. I don't know. So that's, I think that was the, that was the only positive thing I felt we learned about this universe. The only interesting thing, mm. as opposed to the trail nonsense. I, uh, I had some stuff. So, the treaty with Klystron f- 4? 2? What planet is this? The, uh, it's Klystron 4. Okay, so the treaty with Klystron 4 provides for unilateral, unilateral extradition. extradition. Wait, what? That's a bad treaty. Wait, hold on. What? Why? Why? What? Why did they sign that treaty? <laughs> That's a horrible treaty. I can just send a hit team into your territory, onto your station, and take your lieutenant? Yeah, and by the way, they did not really seem to be abiding by any particular rules of engagement. No, because then they go... They, they knocked Bashir out. Yeah, and they Cisco raises the question with them of, um, this is a Bajoran space station, and he goes, who cares? And you go, <laughs> yeah, oh, no, his attitude about it is really, who Wait cares? a minute. And then they totally drop that. That no, that, like the legality of that, no longer is questioned. Yep. Um, treason and murder each mean the death penalty on Klystron. So we're learning a lot about Klystron. Yeah. Uh, in it's, fact, it's good because we're going to visit there a lot. In fact, we learned that the Klystronians, or whatever they're called, are allies with the Cardassians, and that the Cardassians have likely shared the station information with them, which is how they knew how to get around. Uh, oh man, I didn't catch that point. I always thought they were just called trills, but apparently the descriptor is trillion. I thought it was just like a trill this, trill that. In this episode, oh, sure. it's like Vulcanian. Vulcanian. For some reason, they hold the trial proceedings in Quark's bar. In Quark's? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that is a thing that happens that's on the world station. building to you? That's where they hold them. I guess. Now I know. That's, that's, what... also where, that's definitely where they hold auctions. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, and the station is supposed to be like three quarters empty, right? Yeah, they didn't. They don't have multi-purpose room B. They can hold the trial in. Doug, I don't know if we've seen them yet, but we know in later episodes. So I can't hold it in, against this episode. But they're definitely like big conference rooms. Yeah, like we see them later. There's only five people in the room. This is not like a full proceeding. Yeah, yeah, that's where they hold trial proceedings, Quark's bar, and uh, and then all the stuff we learn ab- about how people feel about what trills really are and stuff like that. I gave it a five for world building. So this is an interesting, uh, this is an interesting point because it's come up a couple of times in things you've said and things Ben said. I generally don't consider learning anything about an alien race that we're never going to see again. World building. I think it depends. Um, I think 
by learning about the Klystroners, Klystroners, mm-hmm. we learned a lot about through them. We learned about their relationship with the Trill, their relationship with Cardassians, their relationship with the Federation. So I feel like there was enough there. Mm-hmm. I only gave it a five, but I feel like there was enough there that learning about Klystron Four was worth something in this episode. Yeah, you're in, pulling in, ahead. You're pulling ahead of me on this episode, the same way I pulled ahead of you on what our little girls made of. In the Edo one, Injustice, it only got a three in world building because I didn't feel like learning about the Edo was worth much. Okay. Um. Well, that just brings us to characterization, mm. and one major flaw uh, to me in this episode is that. In an episode designed to give Dax some backstory, she is totally silent. Yep. Well, is that a surprise? We have have we? No, no, that's consistent with what we've seen. Yeah, from before. she is not a character at all. Uh, I talked about Cisco pulling a move from Picard's playbook with the third party arbitration scheme. Mm. I talked about Kira being the legal <laughs> expert in this scenario. <laughs> well, of course, she was a terrorist. Yep. Um, that's all we know about her background. Is that she was a terrorist and grew up in a They send camp. Odo to do the investigation. I mean, is it is it worth mentioning that Odo is open to the possibility that Dax is guilty? Yeah. I guess so. I feel like that's learned, something. I don't know. It's something. I, I, to me, the whole thing comes together. I gave it a four for characterization. I don't think we that there's a lot here. No. We already knew Cisco was kind of not Mr. Rules Oof. and that he had a relationship with Dax. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's not a lot. I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, how great were the 90s when just being a perv was good comedy? Right? The, sh- the episode opens with Bashir once again being real molesty. Just real pervy and, and stalkery with Dax. And doing yep. everything he can to get to get his thing in her. Yep, the old TV trope of the harmless stalker. Yep, and then in the end she's like, alright, he's like, oh, let me walk you back to your quarters, and she's like, nah, I'm good. Thanks, though, weirdo. And then he's like, get, get, takes a few beats and goes, well, yeah, I'll just follow her anyway. Because, you know, <laughs> that's what you do. You just yep. follow a chick. Um, So, hated that. Uh, apparently, this is my favorite part of the episode. If you get on the phone with Odo, just be aware that he ends phone calls with a really defiant, you'll hear from me! That's his sign-off. That's what he says when he gets off the phone. Yep. So if he says, well, I gotta get going, you know it's not over yet. It's over when he says, you'll hear from me. (laughs) Um, Other than determination to save their colleague, nobody really displays any particular personality or emotion in the whole episode. Oh, for sure. Um, This is the first we hear of troubles in Dax's past. And I suppose it's cool that she doesn't just have a background full of perfect souls. As her previous host. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I mean, it's a nice idea that her last host wasn't boring. Like, her last host defining personality characteristic wasn't enigmatic smile. Yeah. But it is rough that the one in front of us never has a personality. Right. We're not going to get to spend a lot of time with Curzon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cisco finally, he seems cooler. Cisco finally comes through with the only emotion in the episode when he threatens to punch Dax in the face. So... You know, yep. that's good stuff. Yeah, I gave it a fat three on characterization. Um, why don't you do quick hitters first? I want to hear your quick hitters. All right. Uh, 
So the main bad guy uh, yes. plays a bad guy in everything. Like everything he's ever, I've recognized him from like nine different things where he just plays the bad guy. And I just wonder how long it takes, it's kind of a tangent, how long do you suppose it takes to get used to having like an evil face and manner? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it probably helps if you get paid for it, like this guy does. But I often wonder the same thing about like guy who plays fat slob and everything. Guy who plays weird nerd and everything. Uh, ugly chick. Like, yeah. that can't be an easy thing to get used to, to show up to casting call for ugly chick over and over again. Because that's yeah, your and, niche. And not much fun. Right, exactly. I mean, again, helps if you get paid, but this guy always plays real dickwad. It's like, he's the best dickwad in the business for the budget, for what we can afford. Oh, you're going to want to get this guy. He's a real piece he's of a, shit. Yeah, he's shitty as hell. Uh, and that's what, okay, then I asked if it's a matter of perspective mixed with sins of the father mixed with measure of a man. Uh, took me a minute to place Rashawn Uxbridge in the role of the judge. Yep. Also, that actress. This is a nice treat, though. That actress died in 2001. R.I.P. She did. Uh, I think the guy's just mad. I think he knows all along, He's and he's mad that somebody <laughs> trenched his mom's sneeze. Yeah, <laughs> his mom's probably been talking about Curzon yeah. like, a lot. Just like, absolutely he gets it. got he in knows. there and just fucking... <laughs> to, uh, just cleared out all the plumbing in his mom. <laughs> and I think that's his whole motivation. Doesn't it seem like it? Like, he's just such a pissy little dick. And he's like, you fucked my mom! <laughs> um, so... In your opinion, when she shows up in the last scene, he has to pretend. He's like, oh no! He has to pretend this is news to him. He goes, "Oh, what? What, <laughs> mom?" He's seen the weird Polaroids under her bed. He knows <laughs> that's right. Because this is—it seems weirdly personal. He's just—he is real out to get Dax. Um, it, like you said in the beginning, we learned that O'Brien is away to visit Keiko's mom, who's a hundred. Yep, Keiko's mom's a hundred. Yeah. How old is Keiko? Yeah, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Well, Keiko's mom must have been ancient when she had Keiko. Yeah. Keiko was f- a... They know it's the fucking future and people live longer, but good God. Real late-in-life baby. Um, And my final quick hitter was that the mom's confession ends the trial. There's no discussion about the merits of continuing with this line of inquiry, whether she might be telling the truth or not. Everyone just goes, okay, trial's over. Oh, yeah, the Bajoran lady's like, it's oh, over. I think this extradition is for the wrong person, so get get fucked. Yeah, and it's like, well, wait, wait a minute, just because someone shows up and says something dramatically doesn't mean you, like, you finish the proceedings. You have to then determine the merits of what she said, right? No? Okay, it's cool. Everyone go home. Trial's over. Yeah. So I thought that was um, weird. <clears throat> I have a couple. Okay. Uh, just one. Let's just say one. Did the old lady judge get the spherical gavel from Q. Yes, that's right. From episode and one. Did Q get it from Star Trek Six? Um boy The well, Klingon judge who sentences him to Rurapente has a spherical gavel too, doesn't he? Yeah, I just I think wasn't Q pretending to be someone even earlier than that. Oh, not only that, but I think that episode was filmed before Star Trek Six. I think that's true. Yeah. So yeah, I think Q I think Q wins. I think he's first in line. But again, like we said earlier, if we took points away for reuse of props. Yep. Uh, so, Matt, I listened to your quick hitters, and I noticed you didn't mention that Klystron 4 is also Angel 1. Oh, uh, what, did it have the same matte painting? Uh-huh. Okay. Boy, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> I yeah, mentioned they use the in another night, one. The night version of the matte painting is Klystron 4. Why do they only have one matte painting for Alien Planet? 
so this is what I thought. Can right? you just give some that. artist a job and let him just commission a new planet? I saw that. I said, oh, it's Angel One. Oh, boy. Then we watched the next episode, which we'll talk about. But, dude, and I watched them consecutively. I watched, in the same day I watched the DS9, and then I watched the Voyager, and I was so mad when I watched and the Voyager. And that's also Angel 1. Yep. And so then I thought, oh, man. So then I went to Ex Astra Scientia, which, of course, has a page on the reuses of the Angel 1 map. Our, our weekly disclaimer, if you want a useful version of this podcast, go visit the German guy's website. Uh, and uh, so they used it six times total. Uh, what? That's it? Four of them were in TNG, and I think that's why it feels like they used it so many times. So these are the only two not in TNG? Uh-huh. And we got the them the same week. two not in TNG, we hit in the same week. Wow. Um, best actor. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a good one. Best actor good luck. for this episode. Uh, I have Chief O'Brien, comma, Quark, Ty. Because <laughs> they're not in it. <laughs> just not in the episode. They win, by default. They just stayed out of it. You didn't like Data's mom as nope. uh old sex beast what was her name i don't know that guy's mom right yeah <clears throat> yeah by the way i i like that they those ladies got a couple of got another bite yeah, at the man. star trek apple star trek, they're loyal man they'll bring the same person back a hundred times um worst actor trill expert from minnesota <laughs> yeah they have dialects on their planet too what was what was that guy doing they translate like, perfectly uh like, he was trying to keep his Minnesota accent in check, so that was definitely what he was doing. But, like, in his brain, who was this character? Yeah, what was he because, trying to play? Because he he seems half, like, a lobotomized person. <laughs> That's why he was a witness for the prosecution or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> he's who I gave uh, the worst actor award to in, uh, in the episode. Oh. Uh, Dax. Matt, we're now in a position to answer the question that Ryan asked us last week oh yeah this is a good is point. dax worse than data's day and the answer is yes yeah it is worse it is worse we'll get yeah. another chance at this five years from now when we get to uh, data's day by the way it won't score worse because believe it or not we scored this episode 35 goddamn points that's not good but um none of them are really no good. but uh we gave Qless 19 points well so i don't regret that at all uh in fact, three of the six previous episodes of Deep Space Nine scored worse than this. By the way, Qless, I believe, breaks that correlation we were talking about earlier. Because not only did it score really low, but I hated its guts. Yeah, that's true. I want, that was not a good episode I want to watch. that episode burned. Uh, but enough about Dax. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this week, we watched Ex Post Facto. It's the same episode. <laughs> Tom Paris has been found guilty of murder on an alien planet. As punishment, every 14 hours, he will relive the murder through the eyes of his victim. Uh, Harry Kim shows up in a shuttle and tells Janeway and Tuvok what happened to Paris. Janeway decides to take Voyager to the Banean homeworld to get Paris back. Tuvok's investigation goes nowhere until he mind melds with Paris to see the crime from his perspective. Mean or well, see what Tom Paris is seeing. Meanwhile, the military rivals of that alien planet are attacking Voyager. But what for? Will Tuvok be able to prove Paris's innocence? Yeah, yes, he will. I mean, yes, the answer is yes. Yes, it's episode seven. Tom Paris isn't going to spend the rest of the. Can you imagine if they did seven seasons of him every fourteen hours having a breakdown? 
Yeah, uh, Matt, we, that would be great, by the way. Matt, would you check the, uh, the Google... I did, I did see you just sent uh, me something. Let me, chat, let me uh, because the way you read that note uh, made me think uh, <laughs> we were on the same page. I definitely wrote murder in all caps on mine. <laughs> we both provide uh, synopsis in case we are the one to read, and yes, they do look very similar. Uh, okay, um, so this one. This is one of the ones where I finished the episode and I just fucking stared at my screen. <laughs> That's right. Because you had one like, field not filled out. What is the take? Go what on. is the take? Uh, well, I, I don't do the execution until I know the take. Right. Oh, wow. Well, I, I don't know. I had world building and characterization. Oh, uh, <clears throat> so hard. Yeah. So hard, so hard. Here's, here's where I am, and I fully expect you to have something completely different. Sure. Go for it. Uh, even compelling evidence can sometimes be wrong, so don't take shortcuts in your investigation. Oh boy, good. This is a good learning, a good lesson for all you young investigators yeah. out there. All of you, all of you young cops. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what did you? Oh, give by the that? way, that's a two. Okay, I that also, is a two because it's not general. I also gave it a two, but we did have different takes, yeah, so we both have? hated what we got. I have memories can play crazy tricks on us and are sometimes unreliable. Perspective, emotion, memory are all unreliable as evidence. Uh, but Tom Harris remembers what happened correctly, and the other two people are lying. Yep. So what happened was I wrote that, and I got <laughs> to the end of the episode, and then I went, I'm not changing it. <laughs> it didn't earn it. It didn't earn the change. <laughs> yeah, this episode is not about anything. It's not about it's anything. Dark. It's not. It's just not. Um, this is not one of the Voyager episodes that's like, how are we going to get by in the quadrant and, one, and still remain us? Like, this is a nothing. Because I'll tell you where it's I a... thought they were going. What I thought they were going to do was they were going to be like, oh, that no, that was the guy's memory of it. But memories are deceiving or whatever. But they're just like, no, that wasn't his memory. It was just falsified. Oh, yeah, he was jealous and paranoid, and his memory just is yeah. not. And he just, it's just not how he saw things is not really how they were, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I when I found out what really happened, I went, "Well, no, I don't care, don't care." That's uh, I'm not writing that. Uh, so so then then I had to think about how they executed on this premise, All right? <clears throat> which again I said is even compelling evidence can sometimes be wrong, so don't take shortcuts in your investigation. But like you, what I wrote is. Not a hundred percent about that. So, <laughs> literally, literally, what I wrote is, I don't know. Is this an episode? Is this episode a case for the separation of powers? Like the same guy is responsible for the evidence, the medical examination, and the punishment. Mm. Like this conspiracy only works because it's one guy doing all of this. Yeah, or at least the okay. So the guy is responsible for implanting the memory in Graham, mm -hmm. and. What else? Uh, he is the one who gave evidence that Tom Paris wasn't drugged. That's right. Yes, he does provide some of the evidence. That's correct. <clears throat> um, and presumably he doctored the engram before he put it into the artificial life form yeah, that experiences it for the trial, which is, by the way, completely unexplored or yep. un... Just a throwaway. We don't get to see what that's like. Did he just describe what he saw in the memory? Because clearly... It's not clear that they anyone else saw the memory except for Tuvok. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, also, they have dogs, and they just call them dogs. And all they did was they picked an ugly dog. Yep. Like they're doing they're doing less work than in the Enemy Within. That's right. They didn't even. 
They didn't even have that cool unicorn dog. Anyway, execution, I gave three. Three points, too. Um, I'm going to give the execution a two, and I'm going to go off your take, because my take didn't exist anymore. Because it wasn't real. <laughs> Been blown away. Yep. Um, and I'm just going to say, the reason I'm going to give it a two is because all of Tuvok's evidence is garbage evidence. Oh, it is. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage. He goes, well, I went in there and I saw it. Says who? In, in the memory, they were the same height. Prove it. Like, how are you going to prove what's what you saw? How are, also, how... the dog recognizes it. Yeah, and then he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... I was kind of bullshitting on that one. Like, I didn't know necessarily what was going to happen, but... You may remember there was a dog point in Aquiel. <laughs> That's right, exactly. But everyone seemed to like that episode so much, so we went with that. Yeah, so we stuck with that. Um, yeah, I feel like if your take is compelling evidence, um, what was it still? The... Even compelling evidence can sometimes be wrong. Yeah. And then he doesn't even provide compelling evidence. He just says some nonsense. And everyone goes, Oh, what are you talking about? Well, they're real lucky that the uh, low-rent Catherine Heigl is not cool under pressure. Yeah, she loses it. The doctor guy loses it. And yes, the dog barks at him. The dog barked at him? Who cares? Dogs bark yeah. at everything. When the Until the dog barks, I think they get away with it. But then she, like, loses her shit when that happens. Yes, that's... Also, by the way, her motivation in this endeavor not clear uh, oh she yeah just hate that guy she, she just hates him right? she hated her fucking husband she just wanted her husband killed oh we'll get into this question but um, it's like apparently she could have just divorced him so yeah she, she theoretically told him the day before that their marriage was over um i'm i am somewhat impressed with tuvok as an investigator in this episode and i am not at all impressed with tuvok as an advocate in this episode as a as a lawyer yeah. His lawyering is terrible and he gets lucky. His investigating's fine. But you have to find a way to present your shitty evidence. And he just kind of goes, well, I saw it in his brain. I was in his brain and I saw it. So they were the same height in that. And oh, look, our, these our, two, species, our species can do that. Our species can do that. You don't know us, but we can do that. And in my memory, uh, what I saw in his memory, these two were the same height. And look, these two right here, same height. See that? Proof. So yeah, I give it a, give it a fat two. It was a garbage episode. Yeah. Um, is there anything world building in this that you liked? Mm, so this is a tough one because we learn about the Baneans and the Numiri, who, as we have discussed, okay. we are not likely to remember them anymore or come back and visit them. Right. Um, so the fact that they use like crazy memory punishments isn't that isn't really vital information to us. Oh, you have instead of death penalty, you have to relive the memory of the crime from the victim's point of view forever or whatever i guess you guys you guys probably have an ironic hell too right <laughs> that's right exactly so i gave world building a, a two as well mm. <laughs> uh so i a little better i gave it a four okay. um it's sad that the maquis best trick is playing possum yeah uh, unless the what's the trick there Pretending to be more injured than they are, or shooting the navigational deflectors? Uh, What's the trick? I don't know. I was just surprised he didn't use an old Native American trick. Yeah, huh. That would have been more well, in line with his character, I think. I think from what we've seen so far, it would have been more in line if Janeway just straight turned and asked him if there was an old Native American <laughs> trick they could, he could use. She's so patronizing. Because he has a face tattoo, but she's way more into it than he is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um... <clears throat> it's not that I, the memory implantation is a punishment, but that memory implantation is possible. Okay. So we've seen... No, I'm sorry, we haven't, but we will eventually see memory erasure. So uh, here's my... So 
Yes, in our project, we're only in season one in each show, but by the time season one of Voyager came around, TOS had been completed, TNG had been completed, and DS9 was in season three in in season one of Voyager. So I'm not sure whether or not we had seen that in-universe yet. I don't remember. I don't remember any other other examples of this. Um, We see a different kind of space light detector. That's not anything. Yeah. Uh, I, I think multiple intelligent species seem to have evolved on the same world. You mean, wait, on the seaweed head people? Well, those are feathers. Oh, are they? I wasn't paying attention. There yeah, was... so the feather people and the lizard people used to be part of the same society. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So that is the only interesting i mean all in all i didn't give it a great score for world building i gave it a four okay but those were the things that i had for that all right uh characterization i'll go first doctor still needs a name Mm -hmm. i don't even know why they keep talking about it it took up one minute of the show it was not a plot point was it interesting at all that he doesn't know how to choose a name or he wasn't even aware that he has the ability of choice. Right. I'm getting the feeling that he is not an intelligent hologram. Well, Kess had to explain really to him clear. that he, use, he he chooses things all the time, every day. And he's like, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about it. It's like, okay... Like, you're doing it every day. Like, looking at alternatives and choosing something. Like, clearly they've built it into your program. You don't spit out to whoever's in the room with you. There are 19 options for this medical treatment, you know? Yeah. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so I don't even know why they're talking about it, because it's 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 not a major plot point, and this is now the second or third episode we've had to hear about it, and it's never going anywhere. I think this is only the second. I think in the last one he asked for a name. Okay, that was the cliffhanger or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Great cliffhanger. Uh, Kess still cares about the doctor's well-being, or is she just bored? I don't know. Maybe she's... she seems to be learning medicine. That's good. I'm glad she's got something so to it, do. It Maybe just be that she just spends a lot of time with him. Yeah. Have we even discussed Tuvok to this point? Have we had a single character observation on Tupac? No. Okay. Well, he's been married for 67 years, so we know yeah. a fact about him. That is the we did learn that about him. We now know something about Tuvok. I understand his character is not supposed to have emotion, but he's not even in the show. Yeah, so it, in the sense that this is the same episode as Dax. Yeah, I mean it's not, but it's like it is. In this, they're both uh, a, a matter r- of perspective. Two in a row. Uh, both of them and a matter of perspective are all Rashomon. <laughs> exactly right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which is, which is, I mean, my my synopsis for this was. Uh, on an alien world at war, Paris has been convicted of murder and sentenced to relive his victim's final moments for the rest of his life. Then Rashomon. Yes. Right. Can Voyager clear Paris's name before his brain damage becomes irreversible? Uh, Tuvok in this episode is Odo in the last episode. Right. Exactly. He is. And he is in Sins of the Father, that is Picard. In a matter of perspective, it's Jordy and Wesley? Luckily, it has a technological solution. Yes. Um, He has to do the investigation, and he makes it clear at one point that he he's perfectly willing to believe that Tom Paris did it. Mm -hmm. 
Just like Odo was probably willing yeah. to believe that Dax had done So that. he's Odo. He's yeah. It's like one for one. He's Odo in this episode. Yeah. Um, he has a weird special power. Odo has a weird special power. <laughs> Odo doesn't use his. And they're both chief of security. We never see him turn into a Klingon chair for any reason. Yeah. <laughs> Though we're still not sure what the reason was for Odo. Yeah. <laughs> still unclear what the point of that was. Um, Janeway falls into the sci-fi trap of dealing with an entire species as one giant stereotype. Tell me about the Numiri as a people. Are they technical? <laughs> aggressive? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, bitch, all of those things and more. Because they're like a whole species of people. Um, Tom Paris straight sucks. Yeah, he sucks. He's cold sucks a Peter. You know what it's like when two science guys get together. He does. He sucks dick. That's what like, he says. Like five times. Like in the memories, it's clear that he, like in, in Kim's version of events, it's clear that he is just bored. He's just not being professional about this at all. And he's into the wife. Which and is exactly how Riker like, appears in a matter of perspective. Us fucking science idiots. And I had to go, I wanted to go hang out with the hot wife. Yep. And then he has that scene at the end where he's like to Kim, no, it's going to happen to you too. <laughs> yeah. You're going to. A woman's going to come along, and she's going to be totally wrong for you, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. It's like, oh, I get it. You rationalize your shittiness. Yep. Yeah, no, this episode really is a matter of perspective, because he is Riker, for sure, in that in, mm-hmm. in that one. Um, but yeah, but he's just... It's 100% a matter of perspective. They straight up make that character say with his mouth, you know what it's like when two science guys get together. Yep. Uh, Neelix doesn't really consider himself part of the crew. They make a real point of having him correct, correct himself about that. He's mm-hmm. like, your weapons, I'm sorry, our, ours. So they feel like it's important that we know that Neelix doesn't feel connected to the crew for some reason. Uh, Chakotay uses an old Maquis trick. Again, I'm surprised he didn't use an old Native American trick. That is the only time Chakotay's in the episode, as far as I can remember. He don't do much. There uh, was... He hasn't done much yet in the series. Yeah, I think he only he had... He helped Janeway find her spirit animal. That's it. Uh, and he argued... Uh, vehemently on behalf of Torres to be the chief engineer. Oh, that's correct. That I it. guess that is the most he has been in any episode. Yeah. Characterization's a four for me. Okay. I mean, I, I, get, I rated it a five, okay. or basically. Um, this Janeway is sort of the best character in the show. She's for sure a racist. Yes! We learned that with Chakotay. We learned that with these guys, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even in her playbook to just leave with Tom Paris. Just take him and go. Right. That's right. She, yeah, she doesn't have that Picard uh, that Picard yeah. part of her that's like, no, my crew comes first. I mean, okay, in like, a way she her, does, but... She says her stated goal all 18 times, she says it in this episode, is to prove his innocence. Yeah. Like, it matters to her that this is all tied up with this civilization. And just as a spoiler alert, I'll, I'll only say we will see if she changes her perspective on that or not as the show goes right. on. Um, <clears throat> I think that's... That literally is the only reason that this pushes up to a five for me. Okay. It's because we have seen her, like, she is, she's probably the most moral character on here. Yeah, I, th- I think I've I've uh, lauded the shitty writers on this show a couple of times in the last few episodes for making her seem like maybe a reasonable and real person. Right. Which is apparently uh-huh. hard for sci-fi writing. Otherwise, I had all the same things. Uh, Harry Kim's a nerd. Tuvok is cold. Tom Paris is a scoundrel. Right. Um, do you want to do some quick hitters while we uh, tie this one up? Yeah. 
Uh, I started off with, oh god, I watched these in a bad order. Because I knew immediately what was going to happen. And I said, not mm-hmm. another matter of perspective. Yep. Uh, the Doctor will not have to be the name he chooses the rest of his life, Kes. He can just change it again. So yeah. don't be too melodramatic about it. He's just going to pick it for the first time. If he doesn't like it, he can just change it. No one cares. Uh, same matte painting of every world since TNG started, I wrote. Yep. But you you didn't catch that it was I also had, in Dax. I had apparently missed it in Dax. Um, here's a, a like a little peek forward. Angel 1 is in week 13. This is week Ooh. 7. We're going to see that matte painting again. Nice. Well, we're going to see it four more times if we do all the TNGs. Yes, if we make it through, we'll see the all six of The ones I remember, I remember that it is also the planet where they make first contact, and Riker Sex is the alien. Yep, that's one of them. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Oh, boy. Do you remember, or...? Uh, it's a Klingon world in one of them. They, oh, okay. they They do some redresses on one of them. Okay. Um, uh, well, anyway, that just... Yeah. It's very clear, if you've seen Star Trek as many times as we have, when that thing pops up, what's going on. I, and, uh, by the way, I went through very different emotions. But we see this... They set the scene with this mad painting about five times in Ex Post Facto. Yes. Uh, you only, they only see it once or twice in Dax. Right. But it's like... Uh, some of the times I saw it, I was happy to see it. Like, oh man, right back to this well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, this is how we know it's Star Trek. It's the one city. Yeah. The roller coaster of emotions for you. Yeah. Like, there's a matte painting for the capital city on Kronos that's uh, different. Yes. But, like, this is basically it. There's one for Romulus, too, I think, that's got some columns. Yeah, I think that could be. Um,. Yeah. Um, then I went back to my outrage about what this episode was, and I said they liked A Matter of Perspective, a shitty episode, so much that they slotted it in the first seven episodes of both of their new garbage shows. I, I mean, again, they might just like Rashomon. Yeah, but come on. But yes. Episode seven of each? Yeah. Um, even alien women know right away that Paris is the scumbag they want to fuck. Yeah, we... Poor Harry. By the way... It's not clear why to me. Poor Harry, because as soon as they walked in, that lady knew, ah, this is the one you gotta fuck right here. Um, is it something about the psyche of sci-fi writers that every amazing scientist has a hot young wife, and they usually do him wrong? Yeah, it is. is that, it's 100%. Uh, they're like, they imagine that their great intellect will net them a hot young wife, but they don't trust that fantasy? Right. And they're like, but she'd, but she'd fucking run out on me. She go, she go do me wrong. Matt, uh, a matter of perspective is episode sixty-one. I know. It's in season three. Yeah. I thought. You, well, we were talking about is it season one or season two? Oh, matter of perspective. Yeah. Oh no, no, I knew the matter of perspective was season three. Oh, measure thought... of a man was what we. Yeah, we're talking about measure of a man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, believe yeah. me, I know where matter of perspective lies. I know which VHS tape it was on. Oh yeah, thirty-four. It's uh, it's it's actually pretty early in season two okay um let's see has janeway aligned herself with the seaweed heads against the numiri did i miss why that happened why is she why is she, why did they have any contact with them why is she sending tom paris to talk with that weapons scientist uh because their collimator is busted it's honestly it's a one-line throwaway. Yeah, I missed it entirely. Because if you go and meet with the guy who they claim, the one guy who was responsible for Benian warship technology, I'll get to that in yes. a second, 
that seems like something that might piss off their enemies. Yeah, it doesn't seem like non-involvement to me. Yeah. Now getting back to but that they, question. Look, they needed a guy who knew how to fix a collimator. I know. Getting back a collimator is how a laser shoots straight. <laughs> well, they need that then. Yeah, they need it for sure. Um, how many specialists do you suppose it takes in real life to design all of the different technology within a warship today? Oh, like we're making a new guided missile destroyer? Yeah, all of the technology or, or in that ship. Even such as a literal combat ship? How many thousands of people? Yeah, probably... Uh, just in the design. Designers? Just in the it design. Prob- we're, we're probably talking about 150 or so. You really think it's only 150 in all of the different kinds yeah. of technology that are on board a warship? Yeah, I really do. But still... Well, this is the one it's guy. It's not one. It's not one. This is the guy responsible, according to them, for Benin warship technology. Um, how is the memory punishment supposed to work? Wouldn't it, like, make him crazy pissed off? And is he supposed to... Is, is he going to commit more crimes because he's hella unstable and weird? I mean, how is he becoming more valuable to society? Is it not even about rehabilitation? Is it just punitive? Like, what's the point? Clearly, the idea is that he will have such visceral compassion for the what it feels like to be murdered that he'll never murder again. But but every fourteen hours, really work. He's going to have like a breakdown. What if you're like straight up what if your crime was like dui and you were a bus driver and you like straight hit a guy who was crossing the street and his last memory is he takes two steps into the street and then nothing yeah that's not so bad really like that ain't that oh yeah hang on i gotta cross the street again every 14 hours you're a little confused all right it's over like i crossed the street oh okay i'm not in the street anymore okay i'm fine okay yeah I just, I don't understand what the point of the punishment is. Like, what is it? What if you shot someone in the back of the head and they never even knew it happened? That would be like, that you get off easy. It's, um, so, I mean, this is the third trial episode I can't take of the week. Anymore, because justice is, too. It's yep. just that their code of laws is so simple that there's no trial. But, like, there's capital punishment for everything. Mm-hmm. Dax's trial is the most like a trial we would see today. Right. Her extradition hearing is. There's nothing really. There's nothing odd about it. It's procedural. It, yeah, exactly. It's it's purely procedural. It's uh, it's argumentative. Uh, advocate for the defense. I mean, it's it's basically an Earth trial. Right. There's nothing weird about it. It's the issue at stake is odd. But the trial itself is totally normal. This one's got the weird memory thing, but it's like, if you watched them in the order that we always present them, which I do, the whole middle three is all law and order. Yeah. Yes. And this this is the stupidest one, yeah. I think. Um, Is Tolan Wren related to Arkansas offensive tackle Cermak Wren? I'm just wondering if he's like a brother or a cousin. Is he going to be? Today was National Signing Day. Like, did he get? Who did he go to? Is he an SEC caliber guy? Did he have to slum it and go to the Big Twelve? Like what happened? Um, the um, the eclipse gets that old guy's science stick working. Yeah, I don't want to know was that. Cranked about that eclipse. I don't need to he know is it. A, he's a warship designer. Yeah, like who? <clears throat> Who gets hard about an eclipse? I don't know, dude. Why did they like, tell us once that? Once you know what causes an eclipse, it, it's kind of boring, right? 
say, like something it's mystical a, about it. It's an accidental alignment of planets. Yeah, in it's fact, not. on Earth, we're just lucky that the distance of the moon and the size of the moon and the distance of the sun and the size of the sun line up line up in that kind of way. And it, I was reading about the moon recently because that's what I do. Um, the moon is getting further from us, and it is not likely to remain that way in the distant future that we will not be able to have eclipses like that. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, we're going to lose them. So and, the idea and that also they haven't always like it hasn't always been possible for the shadow of the Earth to eclipse the moon. Exactly. So the fact that we can have both right now is a coincidence. Yep. And so the fact that all these alien planets all get them all the time is weird in itself. But that that makes that guy's dick hard is not again, not something I ever need to know. Uh, I am curious about Voyager's dual attack mode. I don't know what it means. Yeah. They shout it out that they're going to have to do a dual attack mode, and no one talks about that's, what that is. That's to attack two different targets, I guess, <laughs> but that doesn't I don't know. seem like it should be anything. Um, does Chakotay as a character exist because of that TNG episode with the Native Americans? Does, does he, well, is that why he possible. exists? Because they really that like episode that episode. is very, very late in TNG, yeah. but... Uh, but Voyager's late enough. Voyager started, the year Voyager started was the year after season seven of TNG. Um, it's possible. I think that's the first episode in which we get the idea that the Maquis is not just Bajorans. Yes. And they're out there on the border with Cardassia. And then suddenly are we supposed to believe that there's just a ton of Native Americans who live out in Cardassian space? I guess. I, I mean, know. there were... That one planet was getting turned over to the Cardassians. Um, and then I already said, Tuvok's evidence is garbage, just like the original evidence, but man, is he showy about it. Oh yeah, what he with, likes his garbage evidence. What with asking he's, the, he's doing a whole Hercule Poirot accusing yes. parlor act. What with asking the witness to come in and the witness is a dog. Very dramatic. Good job, Tuvok. That's all I had. Uh, yeah, I, I had less than that. I mean, I had Angel 1 again, and then uh, the Voyager team has got a real dumb film noir fetish. Yeah. Like, the Dead Man's Memories are film noir for no really good reason. Yep. Like, she's she's such a classic femme fatale. Oh, yeah. Except... Feathers on her head. But, like, the dumbest version of it. Well, like you said, <laughs> totally unmotivated, as far as we can tell. Yeah, we don't... Just, just a bad person. He... They haven't boned down in four years. That's right. He brings people over to dinner unexpectedly. <laughs> I know, and maybe that meat's bad. She, she talked about that meat being bad like 50 times. I didn't know if there was like, was there subtext? I didn't get it. She didn't like the taste of it. The meat wasn't, I don't know. She's like, well, I'll just use yesterday's meat in the stew. And then she like throws some on the ground. She's like, the dog will tell us if it's bad. And then later on she's eating. She's like, mm, I'm getting up. And she leaves and he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, the meat tastes off. I was like, man, why? This is like... Going crazy on that meat. Go ahead. Anyway, you gave this one. Uh, you gave this one ten points. <laughs> I gave it fourteen. Um, that twenty-four is the second lowest of Voyager episode scored. That was so we we gave time and again twenty-three, and that was a bad episode. Um, otherwise, every other Voyager episode has been better than this one. So it's there's a little bit of bad luck that this is in the same week as Dax. It's true. It did they aggravate are me. So similar. But also, it's just bad. Not it's a good just episode. A bad episode. Um, and I didn't like it, so. 
and what I gave it was three less than what I was going to give it when I had my my uh, premise and my execution all worked out, and then it didn't turn oh, out the way I thought it was going, and then I went, Matt. Your original execution score was higher? It was as high as a five. <laughs> but by the way, that was assuming they were going to do what I thought they were going to do. The unreliability of memory? Yeah. <clears throat> that was not it at all. So. Yeah. Well, uh... Luckily, we don't have to talk about this episode anymore or ever again. Um, this week, we watched Breaking the Ice. I wanna beat the president of a country without sense. There is nothing that grows in his Arctic world. Arctic world. I see you're doing a. That was thematic. Is breaking, it's breaking the ice. Mm-hmm. It's breaking the ice. I actually picked that before I watched the episode, so uh, it's not about the episode's not about that at all. I like that song. Yeah, I like it fine. Okay. Um, Enterprise meets a comet. To make matters worse, a Vulcan starship shows up <laughs> to observe their investigation. <laughs> when they find a coded message to T'Pol from the Vulcan ship, Archer orders it decoded. However, it turns out to be a personal letter from her fiance or something. Uh, meanwhile, Reed and Mayweather go to the comet's surface to mine for a rare element, but oh shit, they're gonna die out there. Oh no, wait, it's episode 7, they'll be fine. That's it. How did you feel about this episode? What do you think they were going for? Um, I don't know, there's not a big take here. No. Uh, this is one where I had a question as my take. Okay. And the question is, are Vulcans and humans both too prideful to ever get along? Hmm. Okay. I can see that, and it fits in with what most of the show has been about so far. I, I feel like most of the show has been about the relationship between humans and Vulcans. Uh, subtitle, the relationship between Archer and T'Pol. Uh, there's a lot of trip in T'Pol also. Oh, yeah, whatever. Uh, there are only three characters in the show. <laughs> right. Um, I had one that also has been the overriding theme of all the episodes so far, which is, are humans ready for this? This is like the third time we've had this. And the sort of the, the underlying part of that is they have all this curiosity and they want to explore everything and get after it all, and the Vulcans are like, meh, who cares about that? And it gets them into some shit that only the Vulcans can get them out of. So as usual, they have to... Uh, I feel like every other week it's different. Sometimes, oh, we are ready for this. The Vulcans are holding us back. And then some weeks it's, ah, you know, we're still not ready for this. So, that's what I had. I gave it a three. Um, do you feel like, and this is an execution question, of course. Do, do you feel like it's a... They really got themselves into trouble that only the Vulcans could have got them out of? Or, like, could they have kept trying with the grappler? Well, I, well, if the Vulcans weren't there, they definitely would have they would have had no other choice but to keep yeah. trying with the grappler. I think or, it's true, maybe he was embarrassed of trying over and over again in front of them. Or, like, here's a thought. They're still looking! Uh, how much gravity can that comet have? Yeah, I asked this question in Quick Hitters, because they walk around... I asked if their EV suits were also gravity boots, because yeah. they're just walking around out there like it's nothing. Because, uh, seems like they probably could have just jumped. Yeah. I agree, you would think. Like, it's 80 kilometers of ice. The gravity's got to be pretty minuscule. 
again, yeah, the, that was the moon, which is five thousand kilometers in diameter and is made of rock. Yep, has one sixth the gravity of Earth. Yeah, I don't know if I told you this. I've been reading about the moon. Yeah, and um, <laughs> the moon is not not super dense, but is likely to be. Uh, much more dense than that comet. Though they did say it was the biggest comet they'd ever seen. I don't know. Maybe it's huge. I don't know. Yeah. So, but like, um, <clears throat> the, the gravity would be negligible. Right. Like when we landed that probe on that comet, you know, the one that we was not a success. Right. <laughs> this last year, uh, it bounced for like four hours because <laughs> there's just no gravity. There's just basically zero gravity. Right. Yeah, that's what I, as soon as they stepped out of the shuttle and started walking around, I went, well, I'm kind of confused about what this comet is. What so is it? I'm, it's not clear to me that they set up stakes that only the Vulcans could get them out of, but definitely Archer had dumb emotions that were preventing him from taking an offer of help. Yes. From an ally. Yes. Lots of emotions. Yeah. Although the Vulcan did too, by the way. Oh, of course. The the Vulcans have been repainted. These are the moodiest yeah. Vulcans. They've been we've re ever seen. reworked for Enterprise, and I yeah. don't know if they change over time and by Kirk's time and then by Picard's time, they they are different, or if it's just bad bad show running. But the Vulcans are not the Vulcans we know from the other series. Well, like they've really gone from they have tremendous emotional discipline to keep to keep these emotions from affecting their decisions to. They pretend not to have emotions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But really, they are fifteen-year-old uh, boys listening to Alice in Chains. That's right, dog. And just—they're just so angry. They're probably all men's rights activists. <laughs> That's right. Just based on their level of emotion. Yeah. I don't like what has happened to the Vulcans in Enterprise. Oh well, don't worry. You've only got four full seasons of it so it's four seasons right yeah yeah i think so okay so yeah so i gave it a three would you give it again on the take oh uh, it's only a two for me all right so we're not we're not enjoying this episode so far it's just it's there's nothing big happening here agreed uh execution uh it's a three so like look we know that they eventually don't hate each other Sure. Do we need to spend so much time with them being shitty? Agreed. Like, what are we? What, what are we accomplishing? Because if it's the story of how they become friends, we can start on that. Yeah, let's start getting there. I think enough groundwork has been laid on why they are not friends. We we honestly we only need the first episode where Archer is pissy about the way they treated his dad. Yeah, that gives us enough backstory. I think. And to Paul and and the rest of the crew don't get along, etc. It's been every single episode. Yep. Last week we learned that the humans smell bad to the Vulcans. I know. It's not important. <laughs> no, not really. Though again, it does give an explanation for every time a Vulcan looked at a human and sneered. You go, yeah. oh, yeah, they smell bad. Oh, it's not emotions, it's that they smell bad. <laughs> That's right. Execution-wise, how did you feel about so I'm kind of in the same boat as you, in that both of us had takes that are not new takes for this series, and we're only seven episodes in. So it's like, I kind of like that they have an overriding theme for the show, or like a 
something they're trying to work out over time. But it seems like that's all the episodes are about. It's not like there's much of another plot going on and that kind of ties in. Yeah, that's not the uh, C plot that runs through every episode. Yeah, it's just the it's plot. It's the A plot every week. Right. And so, I mean, I like that they're struggling with the question. Like, every other week, their reliance on the Vulcans looks and feels different, whether they need it or not, whether it's good for them or not. But it's tiresome that it's the only plot. And like we were just talking about, it makes the Vulcans seem a lot different than they've looked in every other series. And this was like, um, this wasn't even like a figurative reliance on the Vulcans. Nope. Like this was, they literally needed the Vulcan ship to tow their shuttle out of danger. Like it's not a subtle demonstration by the writers of human reliance on the Vulcans, but I guess it's only TV and it's the, that's the lowest form of writing that there is. So mm. I gave it a, I gave it a four. Okay. Being a little more generous than me so far. Um, before we move on, when they gave Archer that line where he stands up in the. He's like, I only have one other question for you. Yep. How long are you going to keep spying on us? Did they, they knew by the time they wrote that line, right, that they'd cast Scott Bakula. <laughs> the greatest actor? And that. And that he has a voice that sounds like he is always on the verge of tears. <laughs> he does sound like an angry teenager. That, like they they should have known by this point that he can't he can't pull off whatever you're trying to do here about oh now he's going to suddenly be blunt and just come out with this accusation and try to shock the Vulcan into saying something. Like, they yep. should have known he can't carry that off, right? Oh well, I, by this point, I don't know. I don't know what they knew. But we have figured out by this point that he is not capable of it. Uh, okay, so world building. Um, they took a huge shot at it, right? Like, the F plot in this story is they get those letters from home, and what? then at one point he just sits down and explains to them how the ship works. Okay, I mean, that was in my quick hitters, but is this whole scene where they're answering kids' letters just to lighten the mood after Archer decides to read to Paul's mail? Because I could not figure out why the scene existed. I, mean, I don't know what it did. Like, here is what we've learned. We know how they resequence their waste and their food. That's cool. We know about the Universal Translator. We know about their hydroponics. We see the the grappler in this episode. Mm-hmm. This is they found. This is the biggest ever comet. Mm-hmm. We learn about Vulcan marriages. We sure. learn about Vulcan starship classes and warp speeds. Um, we learn about that previous exchange mission that he went on with the Vulcans. Like. They really sprinkle a lot of world-building stuff in here, and I, I hate, I did not enjoy this show, and I hate that I have to get this episode at 8 for world-building. Because <laughs> they just, they did a lot of work. Because none of that stuff is super important, but there's so much of it. Yeah, you're right. Like, they did a lot of work to explain things about the universe in this episode. But that scene with the kids' letters, am I right that that was just a download? That was just a download of information, and just to, like, lighten the mood or something? I don't know, it served no plot purpose. I mean, it's got they the, cut the whole the thing out, comedy aspects of he doesn't want to talk about poop that's, and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. I was like, well, so that's it, huh? That was literally just for relief of some kind. Okay. Yeah. You didn't write a whole episode, I guess, Star Trek writers. Um, yeah, biggest comet humans have ever seen. The cafeteria has pecan pie. Um, <laughs> At least today it does. Caffeine has little effect on Vulcan physiology, so why do they drink all that tea? Um, the, uh, yeah. They like the taste, I guess. Uh, the mineral Icilium 
is what they're trying to yep. drill out of that comet. They have a portable drilling rig that they bring on board the ship for just such occur- occurrences, I guess. Well, it's not very big. Um, kind of makes sense to take on an exploration mission. We like when we send uh, robots out; they they have like rock sampling equipment and stuff. And uh, uh, all of the various downloads that you already discussed, things like Denobula Triaxa is the name of his planet, yep. and all yep. of that nonsense. So yeah, there was a sh- uh, like a lot in there. I didn't necessarily find any of it important or enlightening, um, so I gave it a five on world building because they mm. they put a lot of work in. But I just I don't I don't get the feeling we're going to use any of this information ever again, except maybe like Vulcan marriage or something. Uh, I mean, yeah, we will see that again, but only because it, the episode came out 30 years earlier. Right, exactly. Like, that is We will see it that. again in the past it's, future. It's cheating. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, characterization. Uh, Tucker is prideful, T'Pol is prideful, Archer is prideful, huh. Mayweather and Reed are children. <laughs> and barely in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Sometimes they gave uh, they gave Hoshi a line. Yeah. This show just she, like she TOS. wasn't on the brink of tears like she often is. So that's. Uh, I mean, I gave it a four. There's just not much. Yeah. Not much happening. As we discussed, it's. I think they're doing it on purpose. That TOS had three main characters, and this show has three main characters, and all the other people who are recurring and have names are not main characters. They're just people who appear. They don't do anything. Um, I gave it a one for characterization. Because I hate them all so much. I think this is a recurring theme. Is this? Did I ask this question last week about the numbers I've given for characterization on Enterprise? Oh, uh, uh, well, you gave it a one last week. <laughs> you gave it a two the week before. Yeah, about as high as a four. In there you go. Doing good unexpected? work. Unexpected was that the name of an episode? Uh, maybe I don't even remember which one that was. Um, a five in Strange New World. So I think I'm liking uh, them less every week. But a one in a one in the first two episodes. Yeah. You have hated the characterization of this show. So Tucker's a racist, right? Oh yeah. Like we sure. can just call a spade a spade. He's a racist. Uh, he is called people spades. Absolutely. <laughs> about him. Uh, Archer violates to Paul's privacy on a whim because well, she has broken their agreement. Their that verbal she would not... agreement. Look, it's not that crazy that they read the letter that was they secretly found in their computer. It's not that weird a decision. Yeah, so what I'm saying is, so he he breaks her privacy because he's afraid she's gossiping to the Vulcans about them. Yeah, that's true. He's super paranoid about these Vulcans. Which just goes back to his weird teenage emotions. And then when Tucker is like, well, we should tell her because it's wrong that we did that. It's not right that we did that. Archer's like, what? Don't tell her that. And he's like, well, you know, we should just tell her we did it. And he's like, okay, have fun with that. Even though it was Archer's command that they decode and read it. Mm-hmm. And he just lets Tucker go take responsibility for it. Yeah, he really does. He passes the buck What a fucking he asshole. Care. He doesn't care at all. Oh. He's a real piece of shit. He's like, yeah, all right, you go tell her you did it. That's fine with me. I'm just the captain of the ship. Um, T'Pol is mad emotional, like Data, sometimes. Sarcastic shit, like, I have more letters in my quarters, so why don't you read those too? Mm-hmm. Hella sounded like somebody's moody teenage daughter. So she's not doing great at keeping her emotions in check. Uh, I just hate them all. I think they're all the worst people. <laughs> so one for me. Big fat one. Yep. I don't know what to say. 
Well, we can do quick hitters. Yeah. Um, when Archer mentions that the Vulcans have been, like, lurking around and being shady, uh, he does not mention that they found that surveillance station at the Pajem Monastery last week. I know. I know. That would be, you know, prime example, probably. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah, three weeks ago we found him in that whatever. Yeah. Like, hey, dog. Hey, last week you caught him out in a big old lie, treaty violation, etc. Yep, that is a good point. Again, not sure what order any of these things are in, or whether any of the writers know what else is happening on the show. Is that it? Uh, what else do I have? No, that's all the only quick hitter I had. Right. That was like a super cheerful teaser. Like, they're just like, look at Common, it's amazing! Woo! And then it goes to credits. Um, it's been a long road. Do the Vulcans? Okay, so not only are they assholes in the show, but think they like look down on things like exploration and curiosity. And I think later yeah. on, I, they're a little bit more intellectually curious. I don't think the Vulcans have yeah. that reputation later in Starfleet history. I think they're known for like their great science, and they're just all they do is like explore and do research, right? Uh, basically, we, the only thing we know about them is the Vulcan Science Academy. That's what I'm saying. So, like, all this shit where they're like, oh, we don't explore comets. Why would we do that? That's dumb. It's like, what? I'm so confused about what the Vulcans are in this show. Uh, already talked about their EV suits and how they're able to just walk around in that comet without flying into space and shit. Um, I said I find it hard to believe it matches Earth's gravity, but what do I know? Uh, and again, well, I didn't have many either, because just the whole scene where the kids' letters are being answered, what the hell's the point? So... Yeah, that was all I had. Hey, I forgot. I forgot to do best actor, worst actor for Voyager. Oh, okay. What would you have? Uh, best actor, Tom Paris. Uh, in parentheses, unconvincing memory. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty the good. bad fake memory <laughs> of him like pulling away from her. It, it's very much like the bad Rikers in a matter of perspective. <laughs> You're a dead man, Epgar. A dead man. Uh, that had him down as the best actor there. Worst actor, exhausted Harry Kim. Oh boy! Well, re- well, they've got him on board. He is not good at portraying things because remember, like the first or second episode when he had a headache, yeah. and he like throws himself against the bulkhead. Yeah, it's like dog. I've had so many headaches in my life, and I have never once done that. Um. Uh, so for Enterprise, best actor, I'm giving to Kid Mayweather. Boy, yeah. Okay, I guess. It- Excited to make a snowman, maybe. <laughs> he was, he was, uh, he did have some delightful emotions. Uh, worst actor for this episode is definitely Are You Spying on Us, Archer? He is not good. Oh boy. I mean, again, spoiler alert, there are some. Bacula takes some chances later <laughs> later on in the series that I, they backfire in a major way, I would say, just as an actor. He, he does some things that are baffling. So, look forward to that. Uh, it's, yes, I'm going to continue to look forward to <laughs> future moments from this dumpster show that scraped out a win last week. Well, I don't think it did it this week, but why don't you crunch the numbers and... Yep. Yeah, Matt, the numbers are in, and um, we may have to quit this project. Because <laughs> another bad week of episodes. <laughs> the winner... The winning episode. Come on, Justice. The best episode Come on, Justice. Is Justice. Yeah! And I love you, Justice.
Uh, Justice got a 41, which is over half of the points it's possible to get. That's crazy. It's crazy that that episode achieved so much. It just was so, it was such basic sci-fi. It just, in terms of, it scored points for clarity. Yeah, it really did. Guess what? When you write something and I can understand what is happening and why you did it, instead of just uh, some people shot at each other or there was a mystery in space, you're going to, you're going to score some points. Yeah, when the... When the takeaway from the episode is not in space, there are monsters. That's right. There are points to be had. Yep. It's easy to score them. If only we could go back in time and show them these ratings, maybe they would write some better episodes. Oh, yes. Yes, they're definitely capable of writing better episodes and just choosing not to. (laughs) I just... So, how do you become a television writer? You just know somebody, right? I think you just move to L.A. and start doing it, like... But you have to know somebody. You, you can't just write a script and no one will read it, right? No, I think it's, it's like, lottery-level risky. Like, most people just don't make it, but the, there's no talent criteria. That's what I'm saying. Like, what is it based on? Because it's not based on whether or not you wrote a good script. Because, I I mean, TV really is just a black hole. Especially back yeah. then, and it's better now. There are some good shows on, but, like, there's still a lot of garbage writing on tv too i'm just trying to figure out how they all get jobs it is a mystery anyway um Uh, so let's um let's so justice was first yes justice was first coming in at number two this week dax oh my god dax oh my god i enjoyed that episode so little Oh. I got no enjoyment from watching that. And that was the first one I watched this week, which is normally when I'm the most pumped. Coming in at, with 35 points. Oh, boy. Dax. Oh, this was another, but two, two really bad weeks in a row. Then, uh, then What Are Little Girls Made Of? Coming at number three. Yeah, you know, I didn't uh, really, aside from Sexy Robot, I didn't enjoy that episode as much as I've enjoyed some of the other ones. I don't know why. Maybe this is the last one I saw. Yeah, could be. I, look, it's not... It's not Charlie X. No. It's not fun. Um, uh, number four, Breaking the Ice, Enterprise. Ooh. And the worst episode this week was X Post Facto, and it, it felt like the worst episode. Yeah, it was uh, really brutal. Brutal um, stuff. So uh, that's the Next Generation's third win. Yeah! Uh, so they've pulled ahead of the original series. Three out of seven. Um, so... At this point, uh, TNG has three, the original series has two, and Voyager and Enterprise have one each. Okay. Uh, On a points tiebreaker, this is insane. Uh, Enterprise has six more total points than Voyager so far. Voyager shitting the bed. Remember, was it two episodes ago when they won the week? I think I must have done bad math. I think I forgot to add that up. Hold on. Okay. Because two weeks ago, Voyager won the week, and we were surprised at how well they were doing. Yeah, no, I just forgot to add something up. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get right with this spreadsheet okay. uh, another time. Uh, Voyager is definitely ahead of Enterprise in total points. Okay. So what's next? What's next time we do this? So if you are playing along at home for next week, we are watching Miri. I remember that one. 
Yep. Uh, I don't remember liking it, so we'll see how it does. Yep. We are watching The Battle. Oh, Ferengi Part 2. Introduction of the Picard Maneuver. Oh, yeah. Also the only time we ever see the Picard Maneuver. Because it's dumb. Uh, it is dumb. <laughs> we have, uh, from Deep Space Nine, The Passenger. Uh, can't say I really remember that one. I don't know what that is. Uh, from Voyager, Emanations. No, no clue. It's an episode about wet dreams. I believe so. And uh, Enterprise, we have Civilization. Yeah, no clue. So I'm going to play as the Babylonians. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Why not? Their civilization advantage is uh, you don't ever have to watch science fiction again. Yeah. Uh, we are on Twitter at BrotherDate. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can visit us at BrotherDate.com. You're listening to this. You know how to get more episodes. Yeah. Well, you don't, you've made the wrong decision as to whether you should. <laughs> that's right. But you know how and we'll be back um next time with a non-star trek episode first so give you give you a little palate cleanser and us yeah we need it all right everybody peace bye bye Riker says the planet's life forms are almost identical to us he's very enthusiastic captain sorry troy (laughs) the doctor has something very important to tell you captain you've been talking about it Please subscribe.